Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Whedonverse Podcast. A retrospective, spoiler-free podcast where we discuss the movies, series, comics, and games created or inspired by Joss Whedon. With your hosts, Mr. Universe. Number five, do the dance of joy. And the clairvoyant. Well, you're right about this being a bad idea. Also brought to you by the Tangent Bound Network. This episode, we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 17, Passion, with special guest host Cordia from Buffy Rewatch, and Episode 18, Killed by Death. The Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 17, Passion, written by Ty King, directed by Michael E. Gershman, original air date, February 24th, 1998. Alright, Episode 17, not just of the Whedonverse podcast, Episode 17 of Season 2 of Buffy. We're back this week, I'm Mr. Universe, and we're here with the clairvoyant. As usual. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. And we also have a very special guest here today. A little bit of backstory. Before I started Whedonverse Podcast, I had to listen to a whole bunch of Buffy podcasts to kind of get a feel of, you know, what, what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do, what... What we were going to do better. Yeah. No, what other people have done that I wanted to shy away from just so I didn't kind of take their ideas. And this guest is actually from one of the podcasts that I listen to most often, Buffy Rewatch. So I'm very pleased to introduce Cordia from Buffy Rewatch to you today. Hi, thanks for having me on, guys. You do uh, other podcasts now, a couple of them, don't you? Well, I do one right now. The Buffy Rewatch has wrapped up. We made it all the way through the entire show. And now I'm doing a similar format of Rewatch for Gilmore Girls, which we call Return to Stars Hollow. Awesome, yeah. And we'll touch more on that. You can tell us where to find that at the end of this episode. So if you want to listen, you got to listen the whole way through now i know i'm going to be disappointed in this answer but is cordia short for cordelia <laughs> no no it is not it's actually one of my biggest pet peeves when somebody calls me cordelia no i can imagine uh so people call me the clairvoyant and it hurts my feelings too so doing a buffy podcast and with a name such as yours i can't imagine i can't imagine how did your co-host have to avoid that a lot? <laughs> uh, I don't think that Robin really had much trouble with it. it. The trickier bit was the fact that I sometimes do go by Cordy. And so when they started calling Cordelia Cordy on the show, that really kind of threw us both off. But we were just very careful to always pretty much call her Cordelia. And I was Cordia. And that worked. It's going to be a nightmare once we get to Serenity and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think we might have to like temporarily change our names because it's always oh, gonna be a mess but it'll be fun 
So this episode in Finland, as we all know, I love to do the foreign names or something I've picked up in the past couple episodes. In Finland, this episode's called A Ghost of Passion. In France, it's called the literal The Orb of Thessala. And in Germany, a really cool title. Germany always takes the kick. Greetings from the Afterlife. Which has so many meanings. So many meanings about this episode already. Because we've got vampires, and you just watch it. <laughs> You'll love it. And some, actually, iTunes incorrectly lists this episode as being titled Old Passion, <laughs> which sounds like a deodorant. Yeah. Yeah, that's not uh, very whenever I see, Whenever I see Thessala as in the orb of Thessala, I always read it in my mind as Thessuzala. We start with the previously on, which in the past always means that the producers know this is a good episode and want you to remember everything leading up to it. <laughs> Well, yeah. There's been an awful lot of prep for this one. Yeah. And it's been so we've been leading up to something. I guess we'll have to find out. We start off in the bronze. Uh Morchiba, a band called Morchiba, is playing a song called Never an Easy Way. Not a fan. Not a fan of anything about that sentence. <laughs> and outside we have Angel creeping. Or Angelus rather. My apologies. Angelus creeping watching. He's watching as Buffy dances with Xander, and he's got a voiceover, which is something new to this show. I don't know if did that feel weird to either of you. It's not something they've really done before. It feels a little feel... bit out of place. Yeah, it's I don't know. It feels artsy that he <laughs> he has this like this beautiful speech that's like a it's throughout the entire episode. I've actually seen the entire speech attributed as a quote to Joss on Facebook. And I, not only do I not think he wrote this episode... No, Ty King. This is... It's not, like... It's not just a, a beautiful speech about passion in in the context of the episode. <laughs> but no, passion is mentioned quite a bit, which... Episode's called Passion, so I see where they get that from. But yeah, the voiceover... New. It does feel artsy. I get the artsy feel. I also get... You know, feels almost... It just... It's not... It's hard to explain, but it's a fantasy show, but it takes you out of the fantasy show, makes it too fantasy. Double fantasy. You feel me? This is going to be another thing. Business walk last week, double fantasy this week. But as the group leaves, and this frustrates me, they walk right past Angel draining a girl of her blood. It puts me in mind of the first episode when Buffy's supposed to be honing her vampire senses. Yeah. And here she's going to walk right past Angela's, like the biggest, baddest vampire and not even an eye twitch. And she she should know his face. She should like if I see if I okay. This is me as Buffy. I'm in love <laughs> with the guy. I I have every part of him memorized. And this is me as Buffy, I have to remind you, this isn't me as Mr. Universe. <laughs> in love with David Boreanis. <laughs> memorize every part of his body. Okay, I can't do this. And <laughs> As I walk out of a club, there's David Boreanaz necking some girl, some just tramp. <laughs> She's dead. Why are you speaking ill of the dead? <laughs> it's just this poor girl. You have this, you have this body memorized. You know this person so well. You see somebody that slightly resembles them. You're going to think it's them. It's like when you walk up behind someone in the supermarket and think it's your mom because they have the same body shape as your mom. It's, you know, you see, you see this guy and you, I would just, that'd be my first thought. That's Angel. So I just don't understand they walked right past. Not only that, not just a dude that she knows, a dude that she knows draining a girl. Like, mm, that's bad slaying. 
<laughs> yeah, she's not always the most perceptive. But uh, that's a human death count of one. I don't know how they missed it. Could have been prevented. It was because it was a human shield. <laughs> and then his face, uh, almost okay, transforms back from vamp face into regular face. Almost does that a good job. Fine. It wasn't. Yeah, I say it's passable. I'd say it's a. Uh, it's a seven out of ten. You're too critical of the '90s special effects. <laughs> Buffy goes to bed. She's kind of wary though. Feels like somebody's watching her. I wonder where she gets that idea from. With all these cameras pointed on her and stuff. <laughs> but now she goes to bed. She's a little creeped out, and rightfully so because a spurned ex-lover is just outside her window. Which. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> like, in, it, take that as you will. <laughs> were you the spurned lover, clairvoyant, or were you... I said take that as you will. <laughs> Cordia, what do you have to add to this? I'm honestly just sort of in this mental picture mode right now. <laughs> it, just there's so many possibilities <laughs> running through my brain. Uh, yeah. I She's thought that it was interesting that Buffy looks out the window, seems obviously concerned that maybe something's watching her, and then she goes and takes off her dress. Yeah, I thought that too. Is that normal girl thing to do? <laughs> Personally, I think I'd be closing the blinds first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Angel, that night, sneaks into her room. So who's the creepy one now? Buffy was sleeping in his bed, and we thought that was creepy. I'd say this is worse. He's like stroking her face while she sleeps. Did we think it was creepy that Buffy was sleeping in his bed? That's I feel our guest did. In retrospect, that's not creepy. But uh, he ends his monologue with passion rules us all, and we obey. What other choice do we have? And then theme song. Badass theme song. After the theme, in the morning, Buffy wakes up, stretches a bit, and finds a very well-done portrait on her pillow. It's just kind of sketched with charcoal. Yeah, who knew Angel could draw? <laughs> now, I don't David drew the portraits. Well, I'm I'm positive David didn't draw the portraits. <laughs> but who do you think actually did? Random set designer number 14. <laughs> like, did they just pull the set? Can anybody here draw really good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of sucks because they're a really good lifelike, lifelike artist. And it kind of sucks that they get like no resignation, no recognition, because they they have to be told even when they're doing it. Like they're an artist, so they're used to this. They're told, oh, by the way, don't sign it. You will not be credited. <laughs> and <laughs> did anybody check the credits? I never think to look. I did. I didn't know actually, but <laughs> I assume you're uncredited, and we love your work. Most likely, yes. <laughs> I have your drawings in my room of myself. <laughs> Uh, there goes the mental image thing again <laughs> next day at the library Buffy's creeped that he was visiting a little rightfully so and she tells the whole gang who's at the library you know, about what she found now me personally I would be more creeped out than Buffy is here she seems to be taking it pretty in stride especially considering the fact that she has no real reason to believe that it was Angel <laughs> It like it could be any creature of the week and so there's reason to be really creeped out. I think yeah. she just she just knows. Maybe he's drawn her pictures before off screen. That's possible. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got the feeling in this scene that she's actually more angry 
unhappy than she is creeped out. Yeah. And I feel that's the wrong response. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm not a slayer. Like I think I am. But Xander jokes that she got a visit from the pointed tooth fairy. And meanwhile, Cordelia's freaking out because she invited him into her car. It's one of my favorite jokes of the entire series. <laughs> it's uh, it's a real issue. Yeah, he could come back into her car whenever he wants. Doomed to give them a lift whenever they feel like it with his vamp buddies. They never chip in for gas. <laughs> but Buffy wants a spell to reverse this. To, to uninvite Angel from her home. No shoes, no pulse, no service. Yeah. And then... Out of the blue, Jonathan, remember him, and a girl who, personally, in my head canon, is his girlfriend, I ship them. <laughs> they, they walk in, and everyone gets kind of on edge, <laughs> unnecessarily, especially Xander. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's like, hey, you heard a knocking? Does it look like a Barnes & Noble? And... <laughs> We're looking for bucks on Stalin. <laughs> Do you think... That Xander's kidding? Or is he serious and forgot? It's hard to tell. I think he's very protective of his library. <laughs> when Giles points out, like, Xander, this is the school library, and Xander says, you know, like, uh, oh, since when? Like, he seems so genuine and, like, innocent. <laughs> like, he... Like, oh, yeah, that's what people do here. <laughs> but it, it still doesn't feel like it clicks, though. But everyone's kind of awkwardly quiet now that they have guests and they they file out. Now, is this the only time students have ever come into the library since they've been here? Is Giles surprised that... In a previous episode, actually, Giles uh, takes Xander's place and is confused and alarmed by the presence of of a student. I think it was Owen. Bad episode. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Uh, And... So everybody leaves, and I don't, I don't understand this because they continue the discussion in the hallway. You know, not the library with two kids, but they want to continue the conversation in the hallway with hundreds of kids. I don't, I don't get that logic. But the hallway's empty. The hallway had like six people in it. They think he's just taunting. Xander remarks the nya 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 approach to battle. And I love Giles' line here. He's like, yes, Sander, you managed to boil a complex thought down to its simplest form. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of his job. Yeah. Cordelia also does the same thing. That's why they're perfect for each other. And my notes here specifically put, why is everybody so chill about Angel being such a good drawer? I'd be pumped. <laughs> <laughs> That's well. I mean, like you, they used to be kind of friends with him. It's finding out that it's a skill. Like, it's like... Your friend can juggle chainsaws. You never knew. Well, you don't want your friend to be good at something, though. Your ex-friend. You want your real friend to be. But when your ex-friend turns evil and starts stalking you, then you don't feel as happy for their skills anymore. Oh, yeah. It's like Schadenfreude. You just want to be mad at them. You want them to fail. Right. You want them to be a bad person because you don't like them anymore. If I found out my ex was successful at something, I'd be like, hey... That's hey, cut it out. Like, <laughs> exactly. You can, especially if it's a marketable idea. <laughs> it's like but no, it, no, you have it. to be unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> but Buffy's worried about her Joycey. She's not so worried for herself. She can handle it. But her her poor Madre, 
Giles says that he'll find a spell, and that Buffy has to keep a level head. She shouldn't get so off the handle. Now, do yeah. you think that spell works for cars? <laughs> Cordelia's concerned. But Giles says, I know how hard this is. Okay, I don't, but a slayer can't give in to her passions. He said it again. Take a shot. <laughs> I thought that was a really awkward line. It, I mean, it was obviously worked in because of the whole speech and the title of the episode and stuff, but it just didn't really feel like something that fit the moment. <laughs> no, I, I can feel that. It was it was shoehorned in. Yeah. <laughs> I did like that behind them, though, was a poster for self-defense classes. <laughs> it's subtle, but effective. Xander's like, well, why can Buffy dumb it down to its simplest form <laughs> and not get in trouble and watch his pet? <laughs> yeah, because I think Buffy says ignore him and he'll go away yeah when giles specific line is uh something like you do not have the luxury of being a slave to your passions yeah uh in computer class later mrs calendar tells her class full of students with turned off computers that they need to turn in their papers and whatnot before we proceed cordia what is your opinion on jenny calendar <laughs> Well, I'm not Answer such a correctly. fan. <laughs> I'm not such a fan. I've I've thought that she was a very interesting addition to the show when she first showed up, but then I felt like she was really underutilized. And uh, uh, personally, I always found her wardrobe to be extremely distracting. <laughs> That's not a comment That's... we've actually ever had before. <laughs> That's um, well, at least. You dislike her for the different reasons everyone else dislikes her. I personally <laughs> have taken upon myself to be her her white knight because the majority of the guests we have despise her for one reason or another. So I don't particularly care about her, but I feel the need to defend her. <laughs> I don't think I would go so far as to say I despise her. I think that she has very poor judgment on a lot of things most things i will fight you for that <laughs> i've i've always disliked this idea that she hands her class off to willow i always thought that was kind of ridiculous not that willow is not completely capable of taking over the class but a teacher should not ask a student to take over their class yeah they're about the same age <laughs> yeah she certainly dresses like it she I always thinks she's dressed like she's going clubbing <laughs> <laughs> She's actually, I think we mentioned it on the show before, but the actress, Robia Lamore, is like a few weeks older than than Charisma Carpenter. That's so, wonderful. So they are, like, it feels weird, especially now, like, the whole Giles Jenny thing feels kind of weird, but... <laughs> Well, Charisma Carpenter is obviously way older than her character as well. Yeah, she's not in high Remotely school. Remotely look like she's in high school. <laughs> the only person that actually could have been in high school and was in high school during the run of the show is uh, Mercedes McNabb. <laughs> but uh, Willow heads to the front of the class with her smiley face backpack we noticed last episode. And yeah, as we mentioned, Jenny just asked her, you're not going to be late tomorrow. Could you teach the class for me? Yeah. that is not okay for teachers to do no, i don't she think doesn't give willow any assistance there's no like here's my lesson plan or cover this for five minutes it's just hey go yeah. see do I, this actually like brought back a repressed memory um <laughs> i don't remember what grade it was but i was young and i was talking in class and so the teacher got frustrated and said oh do you want to teach the class since you want to talk so much and they made me go up in front of the class 
and attempt to, you know, teach whatever they're teaching. It was about the planets, that's all I remember. I just remember just breaking down crying. It was, you it was had a bad, bad teacher. It was a bad... I don't even remember <laughs> what teacher it was, to be perfectly honest, or what grade it was. But I, I, I repressed until until this scene. I repressed that memory. And it came back in pieces. And I cried watching the episode. <laughs> hugging my knees. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Buffy and Giles show up to the class. Just after Willow's done panicking. Buffy kind of makes a little barb about, you know, I need someone to show me to, to class. Basically saying, like, why aren't you walking with me, girl? I need a walking to class buddy. It's your butt in the hall. <laughs> so they walk out and Willow's little, but I'm talking to the teacher. Teachers must be respected, even if they're just filling in until the real teacher shows up. <laughs> <laughs> and Giles and Jenny have a little, a little bit of an awkward chat. They're still kind of awkward terms. Warming up, but awkward. Uh, Jenny to the rescue for, for damn once. She's got a book. What do you mean? <laughs> For ones, she's got she's a constantly to the rescue, and you you know that. Now yeah. don't don't skew the facts in your white nightdom. I am not okay. The whole reason everybody aside from you apparently hates Jenny is because she lied to Buffy and Giles yes. when she didn't. She yeah. She, okay, she now, didn't. A. I agree with that. I have I have always contended. That she is unfairly punished by yes. by Buffy. That she especially withheld Buffy. potential information, but it is not her fault what happened. Or well, yeah, exactly. Her job there was to make sure Angel is remains a good guy. Buffy came, and <laughs> in uh, one sick puppy's terms, literally f***ed it up. And <laughs> there, then Buffy's mad at Jenny. He's like, no, she was there to ensure that this. Sh- didn't happen. You f***ed it up. You don't get to blame her. Giles, I can get kind of why he's mad because she was mad at him for basically doing the same sh- earlier. But Buffy doesn't get to be mad. I can feel that a little. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I support that. Good. We're in agreement. I think Buffy, Buffy is mad at herself and she's expressing she... that on to Jenny, but it's no, not fair. No, you're projecting. <laughs> <laughs> So, Buffy and Giles show up. Giles and Jenny have a little awkward chat. Jenny helps Giles out by giving him a book that he didn't have that could help with the spell, the uh, the uninviting spell. And asks, you know, how's Buffy doing? How do you think? And things get a little cold, little breeze through the room. <laughs> now, I don't really agree with this next part, but I do like the line. Which is, like, I know you feel betrayed. And he's like, yeah, that's one of the unpleasant side effects of betrayal. <laughs> Okay, he was betrayed. You agreed that he was betrayed. I, I no, I don't agree that he was betrayed. In how, in which way was he betrayed? Lying by omission. It's not a it's not a betrayal. A betrayal of trust, maybe. I'll, yes. I'll give him that. A betrayal of trust, but it's not like she backstabbed him. He she wasn't. He was not. Well, no, she like, she backshot him with a crossbow. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but that was an accident. I really hate her response here. It makes me not like her more she says you know i understand that you're frustrated but i was raised by the people that angel hurt the most and i was like okay i know it's not your fault it's your people drusilla drusilla takes the cake there for sure (laughs) i think she would she would take offense at that (laughs) and i think if you go through angelus's history books you know one tribe of gypsies where he killed one girl and that's it that they've been whining about it for 200 years that's not going to be at the top of the list not even close 
Like, you've been brainwashed, madame. <laughs> like, I, I don't mind her, like, you know, I didn't come here to hurt anyone, you know, I, I, I thought I was doing the right thing. And she was doing the right thing, but the whole... Yeah, the whole I was raised by the people angel hurt most. You know, my duty to them comes first. I'm like, what are you? What are you talking? Do you even know what you're talking about? Is this just what was indoctrinated in your head since birth? Like, <laughs> yes, that's, that's what she says. Though she says, like, the first thing I learned was the, you know, what I owe my tribe or whatever. I can't remember yeah. the line, but she, yeah, basically, she has been brainwashed and indoctrinated <laughs> since birth that she has to do whatever she can to help the gypsies. Well, clairvoyant is stand with Jenny. Uh, but it was 20 million years ago or people should get over it and she says like, I didn't know this would happen I didn't know I'd fall in love with you and then a beautiful theme by Christoph Beck starts up their, their love theme and she's like is it too late to take that back <laughs> do you want to and is it, I just it chemistry again oh oh that moment he should have just walked over and just started sucking her face off I don't know if you're being sarcastic no, actually, I think that would have been really nice. I thought they were going to kiss, and I kind of wanted them to because it was very romantic, and then they didn't, and it was like, oh, okay. At this point, with, like, with them, I just, like, even if I was not Team Jenny in this particular instance, it's like, I just want things to be right with the gang again. So can everyone just stop infighting and fight Angel? Like, <laughs> like kiss and make up already. I don't care if you, if I actually hated Jenny. Kiss! Gets her. Yeah. Oh, I can hate Jenny all I want, but I want Giles to be happy because I'm madly and forever in love with Giles. So who isn't? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, you know, she says, "I want to make this all up to you," and he's like, "Well, I'm not the one you need to make it up to." Mm. Which is false. <laughs> At home, Joyce knows something's up at dinner. Buffy tries to. She explains the dumbed down version of it to her mom. They're just you know stripped of supernatural weirdness. <laughs> And he said, you know, I, I dated him. And she said, well, let me guess. He changed. And he's not the same guy you fell for. Well, in a nutshell. And she says, you know, he's just been following me. He won't leave me alone. Don't invite him in. Which, you know, that ship has sailed. It's too late. He's invited in. But Giles is trying to fix the spell, though. Yes. Yeah, wait, wait. Before we move on, can we talk about the ridiculous dinner that they're eating? I didn't notice. What are they eating? They have like an entire roast chicken and about four sides, <laughs> which I mean, honestly, that's, they're they were... having like a really nice dinner on a random Thursday or something. But do you think that like she brought it out in courses? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I just I don't imagine the two of them having these dinners. I always think of them <laughs> as like TV tray dinners. Yeah, exactly. Not like whole meals. <laughs> Joyce is a single mom. She's channeling her inner Ted. Yeah. <laughs> That's not always a good thing. <laughs> now, Joyce is a single mom. Everybody's got issues with her, but look at this. She's got time to make these full-course meals for just her and her daughter. She works at a museum or an art gallery or something. Of course she does. Gallery, yeah. Buffy's on the phone with Willow. Willow's got a really old phone, by the way. And they're kind of chatting about it. Willow agrees with Giles. You know, don't let it get to you. She goes to feed her fish. And he turns back. She's like, just keep happy thoughts. And then she sees an envelope on her bed. So there goes those happy thoughts. And then it kind of sunk in for me. Like, oh, no, Willow invited him in, too. Which also makes me wonder, which I wondered the first time it happened. How does Angel know Willow's address? Why did he follow Willow home in the past? 
<laughs> Either way, she pulls out her little uh, present. It's a bunch of her fish strung on, well, a string. This guy's twisted. Angelus is messed up. He like good. She even says, "Good thing I didn't have a dog," because because we know what he does with puppies. Yeah, he likes to kill pets. Though, kind of the thought of Angelus standing in her bedroom, reaching into her fish tank and trying to wrangle fish <laughs> is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, best <laughs> mental image of the night. So she, she's coming home, just getting my damn it. <laughs> I would say that's at least like 14 karat gold. So he went all out. <laughs> like, why? why did he... Was that a necklace she already had? Or did he pick that up? Or... But great cinematography and directing from uh, Michael, Mr. Gershman. I really like the scene because she kind of holds it up as it pans behind the fish tank, which was attached to the wall previously. And it's just really well shot for a first-time director for this show. So Buffy invites Willow over. They kind of have a little PJ party. You know, thanks Weapons. for inviting me. Yeah. With weapons and lots of garlic. <laughs> Later, in the the warehouse, Drusilla brings Spike, a little orphan dog... <laughs> Her owner died without a fight, which is a human death count of two, I think, if we're assuming it's a human. Hey, what about the others with Willow's fish? How many were there? Did you count? Three, four? Collectively. We saw at least three. Collectively, we'll do Willow's fish as an other. Okay. Willow's fish count as one other because they're little. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> but I don't know. If we're counting, we're counting Bugman's maggots as one... I say count Willow's fish as one. There, that's fair. So, human death count two, or maybe more. Uh, the poor owner of this dog died without a fight, and Drew just bought it to cheer Spike up and uh, and bought him. it. Brought it. <laughs> she named it Sunshine, which is adorable. Because it hurts. And then she's like, "Open wide," <laughs> and she tries to feed it to Spike. <laughs> this is the whole puppy <laughs> with the airplane sounds. <laughs> and you know she she says need to eat something to keep your strength up and i love the complete switch from the start of this season because the start of the season it was spike trying to get drusilla to eat all the time and she wouldn't <laughs> so now it's the complete opposite where he won't eat he's like i won't have you feeding me puppies <laughs> he's like open for mommy and <laughs> uh angel shows up he <laughs> drusilla's great line where have you been the sun is almost up and it can be so hurtful and, you know, Spike gets a little snappy. and He's just a bit testy lady lately. Lady. And, uh, yeah, Spike and Angel go at it a bit. Spike seems a bit frustrated with Angel's tactics and probably even more so that he can walk and do the dirty work. And also is and completely sweeping Drew off of her feet. <laughs> so, but Drew kind of loses a little bit. She gets a weird attack. An attack of the weirds. It's a vision, by the way. Uh, up, upstairs. Elsewhere, Jenny stops at a magic shop of sorts. The Dragon's Cove. Yeah, dude has a Romanian accent, like, how can I help you? And then she said, oh, I need an Orbethesla. And then he drops the accent immediately. He's got kind of like a Brooklyn-y. And he's like, oh, you're in the business. <laughs> and he gives her one Thessalon orb. The Suzelin. The Suzelin. And they, they talk a little bit of exposition. They have a spirit vault for the rituals of the undead. You, know, you need the text to 
work on it and well she's working on a computer program to decipher the text because of damn course she is she's jenny calendar computers can do anything techno pagan and that's a cool word <laughs> you're just gonna defend her to the death hey from the first episode with with the word techno pagan i pointed out that's a cool word <laughs> i disagree i don't think yeah. it's a cool word you're wrong Cordia. Technically, it's two words with a hyphen. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you're wrong. You've don't, been wrong. No, you don't have to hyphenate that. Technopagan. <laughs> Technopagan. But... It sounds better the faster you say it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he says, you know, okay, well, what are you working on? A present for mine. What are you going to get him? His soul. So, twinge of, okay, Jenny's not so bad. This was her whole point from the get-go. Yeah, but... She failed, so that's why yeah. I'm mad. I actually like the exposition in this scene. I thought it was it was relatively well done because it's these two characters that don't know each other, but they have this common interest, so it makes sense that they would talk about what they're talking about. Yeah. But the last bit where she says his soul and it starts glowing, that got a little too cheesy. <laughs> Especially that it started to glow. Like it, I like souls. I'm gonna like it. Just I guess. I you. like how we actually got. I mean, we mentioned it. But nowhere previously did they ever mention uh, her uncle Enyos by name. Yeah. So, so we actually got we got that in here. Outside later, Buffy and Willow are chatting as they walk up to school. I think Buffy says Siberia. It's not subtitled or anything. I think it was just mindless banter just to fill the camera time. That's <laughs> what I heard as well. And I was like, why? <laughs> what? But, uh, Xander shows up, you know, asks about their night. They didn't happen to film their uh, sleepover, unfortunately for him. And Willis has to peace. She's like, I have a class to teach in five. But then she sees Jenny. She's like, oh, darn, she's here. <laughs> Which I get, I can get being disappointed, even though she shouldn't have been teaching the class in the first place. Yeah. No, but when she admits to it, she's yeah. ready. And it's like five minutes of draw, five hours of drawing up lesson plans down the drain <laughs> for five minutes of a class. That's intense. That's Willow. That's very Willow. Well, why lesson plans? Why would she need to do any lesson plans <laughs> in case it continues? Maybe she could present them to Miss Calendar. So, uh, like, cement her place as a substitute. But Bobby stops Jenny, and she's like, "I know you feel badly about what happened. I just want to say, good." Keep it up. That's such a thing. I got I to agree with you on that yes. one. That was unnecessary. I was like... I, just I thought like, she was going to apologize. I literally like threw my hands up in a why. Like, <laughs> why did you do that? That was so unnecessary and mean. But it was very appropriately 16. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Jenny says, oh, don't worry, I will. And I'm like, but she's helping, man. She's doing good. But Buffy's like, well, there's one other thing. Giles misses you. I know he does. And I don't want him to be lonely. And then the, uh, the love theme starts up. The Jenny Giles love theme starts up. And Jenny starts to apologize to her. But Buffy's like, no, don't. We're good here. And just leaves. Well, she's not actually ready for an apology yet. No. So, undeserving of that treatment, I thought. But Giles, meanwhile... Well, one, I can't remember who. I can't remember if it was a producer or a writer or some random reviewer slash observer. But they pointed out that like the feeling of 
being an outsider was common throughout this episode. I feel that's really like th- portrayed through Jenny's eyes. Like she feels like she's not part of the gang anymore, and she she, she wants to be. And so yeah, the whole the, that is a theme through the episode is just uh, on the outside of things. Well, maybe if she wasn't Hydra the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> So, Giles found the ritual. He's got it all worked up. And Cordy's like, thank God, I already talked to my grandma about switching cars. Which That's so terrible. That's awful. So perfectly her. (laughs) And so they go through the ritual. It involves some, you know, cloves, crosses, just all sorts of knickknacks that Buffy has around. That no normal person would have lying around their house. And rhyming couplets. And so they go through the ritual. Willow's hanging up a cross in her house. You know, I'm going to have a hard time explaining this to my dad. I have to go to Xander's to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas every year. <laughs> yeah, Ira Rosenberg's only daughter nailing crucifixes to her bedroom wall. But she mentions that it's worth it to see Xander's Snoopy dance, which, pay attention to that line, because it's very uh, fan favorite <laughs> Yeah. Um, Nikki Brendan... When he went to conventions, um, he is famous for, well, you can usually convince him to do the Snoopy dance. (laughs) (laughs) And Cordelia is inexplicably in their room with them. And I could not figure out for the life of me why they put her in this scene. I, I got the feeling that she's the one who drove them home because she wanted to just make sure that they de-invited her car. (laughs) Because... She says, you know, you know there's no fish in your tank, and Willow whimpers a bit. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And well, she's just, just kind of like, they're like, you know, we, we did your car already. You don't have to be here. She's like, okay, bye. And I was like, why was she written in? <laughs> oh, she's she's kind of like, she, well, she doesn't have her own friends anymore. She's part of the gang, and she's Xander's GF, and so she's just poking around Willow's room. That makes sense. I could see, yeah, probably the best explanation is Cordelia wants to snoop willow stuff and see the competition potentially and i think i think the writers or whoever probably just wanted an opportunity for willow to be sad and whimpery because she's adorable when she's sad and whimpery (laughs) i think usually (laughs) yeah because buffy wouldn't say something like that buffy knows right i i think another good explanation is she's written in for that joke (laughs) that that's firmly what i believe and she finds a letter it's for buffy which, uh, it's her mom sleeping. Another great drawing, so kudos to you, ghost drawer. But it's it's her mom. It's little Joycey. Which, why is it in Willow's house? <laughs> I don't know. I like, I like to imagine that while Cordelia was facing the fish tank, and Willow was nailing up the cross, and Buffy was watching Willow nail up the cross, that's when he snuck in with that picture and put it on the bed. <laughs> it just blew in through the window and landed neatly. Uh, that good. <laughs> I like to think that that was actually him trying to draw Willow, and he just f***ed <laughs> up. He's actually a really bad drawer. <laughs> I keep trying to draw people, and you keep ending up looking like other people. <laughs> he left under a pillow, and he's like, well, I tried. He tried to leave Buffy a picture of himself. but angel outside in a nice segue stops joyce driving home 
Angel is in a nice segue. No, the nice segue is that we saw a picture of Joyce's face, and then outside, Angel accosts Joyce outside her house. He's like, you, you have to help me. I need to be with her. And he's like, hey, I'm telling you to leave her alone, buddy, Ted. And you, know, you know, just tell her that I need her. And Joyce drops her groceries on the way to the step. And it's getting kind of tense, I thought. He's trying to help put the groceries in. And I actually laughed out loud because he's getting, he's putting them in the bag really, really fast. And he accidentally, like, launches an orange really far away. And she kind of, like, watches it go. <laughs> Yeah, I got that too. I want to rewatch that just for that. <laughs> like, she's kind of like trying to talk to him. She's like, well, orange. But who buys a single orange anyway? I think that's her fault. <laughs> I think there were six or seven oranges that all spilled out. Well, put them in a put them in an orange sack. Yeah, it was it was poor grocery bagging. <laughs> and you know, of course, to just to just to make things the worst they could be. You know, I haven't been able to sleep since the night Buffy and I made love. And Joyce is just like, whoa, like, uh, what is that, dramatic chipmunk or whatever? That's what it was like. Why? Just kind of, bam, just head twist, like, shocked face. And then... I think his creepiest line is, like, like I'll die without her, she'll die without me, and Joyce is like, are you threatening her? Yeah. So, Joyce goes in. She opens the door, goes in. He goes to walk in after, and Willow's walking down the stairs reading <laughs> reading a spell. And he can't come in. He hits the invisible barrier. Baby Willow's first spell. I think you're right. <laughs> and Buffy says, sorry, Angel. Change the locks. And then, boom, slams it in his face. Great one-liner. <laughs> Excellent one-liner. Yeah. I thought this whole scene was really interesting. It's just creepy. The shooting, especially from the beginning when it's under kind of between his legs of Joyce driving up and then it sort of follows up his body and he gets taller and taller and taller and his face is super pale and just, ah, such a creepy scene. Yeah. And because the whole time you think Joyce is alone, you don't know that Buffy and Willow are inside. You don't know that they beat her there. So you're kind of worried for Joyce up until the last second. Oh, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, or not meanwhile, later, Giles goes to stop by Jenny's class at night, talk to her a bit, but she's like, I may have some news for you. Can we talk about it later? I'm just finishing up. You stop by my house, and then the theme again, the beautiful Christoph Beck. Like, you know? Yeah. Also, fun fact, since we're here, that song was sampled by Ed Sheeran on his newest CD called Multiply. Uh, the track is called A Fire Love. So listen to that track and you'll be like, oh my god. That's yeah. that's the Giles Jenny love theme. He, it's weird. Because I, when Mr. Universe showed it to me, I recognized it. But like it's like arranged differently. Very like recognizable because the instrumentation and everything's the same. It was bizarre. It's a fun fact of the day. <laughs> no, but every time an episode plays the same song over and over, I cry lots. It's going to be sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what are you setting me up for, Ty King? Later, Drusilla goes to the shop with uh, Mr. Non-Romanian, and Miss Sunshine tells me you had a visitor. <laughs> and you know, she, they just wanted, she wants to know what him and the mean teacher talked about. Or rather, Miss Sunshine wants to know. Yeah. So is this human body number three? 
<laughs> I think I think this is a human death count three. I think we're gonna have to go with that. We don't see it. It's listed pretty much everywhere that he dies. And I would say that it's unlikely she had a casual chat with the dude and let him go. But also, yeah. we are talking Drusilla, so it's perfectly possible. <laughs> I'm going to say three. I say three is fair. More than fair. I'd say there's a much higher chance that she killed him than she That's didn't. True. <laughs> but I could see her just like creeping the hell out of him, like getting really close, and then she's like, okay, and just like walks away, and he's like, shitting <laughs> himself. <laughs> but, uh, meanwhile, but yeah, he's probably dead. So we're going to count it as human death count three, other death count one. And meanwhile at school, Jenny's using Translator Pro uh, to work to translate the text, which she scanned in. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't Moloch this time. Yeah, she's using like 2015 edition. That's... <laughs> Stuff looks new. It's and... pretty impressive software. <laughs> she saves it to a yellow-ass floppy disk, and she goes to print the schematics on her dot matrix printer. The future. <laughs> and... She looks up, and who else is there but Angel and Jealous? That was kind of creepy. Even creepier is on the blackboard above his head, it's written in capital letters F-E-E-B. <laughs> Phoebe. I don't know what that means. I don't either. <laughs> Forever each eagle baby. That's the most, I got nothing. In, that's that the most makes... intense, intimidating sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at these kinds of things. <laughs> and he says, you know, she's like, how'd you get in here? He's like, well, the sign above the door says, enter all ye who seeks knowledge. But he says it in Italian and he says it wrong. And the Italian version actually has the correct one. That's Latin, is it not? Well, I think so. But the Itali- either way, the Italian version got it right. So he picks up the orbit vessel, you know, starts to glow. He's like, you know what I hate most about these things? And just smashes it. They're so damn fragile. Must be that shoddy gypsy craftsmanship. Which I had a related nightmare that I don't want to get into, but involved me eating something very similar, and it ruined my day. The Orbithesla? Well, it was more... yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But unnecessarily, after breaking her orb, her one-of-a-kind orb that she can't find anywhere else, he also breaks her one-of-a-kind computer... That she can't find anywhere else. I don't know if the orb is so rare. If you can just go to like a <laughs> like a gypsy odds and ends store where they he said like he sold the last one as a paperweight or a few of them as paperweights. Yeah. So <laughs> no, he starts smashing. He breaks your computer for no reason. He doesn't understand technology. He rips up the the printed out schematics. He burns them on the computer, which is inexplicably burst of flame. And then, more inexplicably, he starts to warm his hands on it. Because why not? He's crazy. And I, I like how he's so excited by the fact that the computer's on fire. He's yeah. like, isn't this my lucky day? I get to kill two birds with one stone. Then he looks up in vamp face, and teacher makes three. And so she runs. He, he thinks that's good. He needs to work up an appetite. And there's a really just kind of long sequence where he ominously, slowly chases her through the school... And every door she comes to is jammed or locked, and she has to go an alternate way. It's actually pretty tense. Yeah, because, you know, she's mop-bucketing, throwing mop-buckets left and right. <laughs> mop-bucketing? And she's running upstairs. You know, it's just... It feels tense because every time that Angel's there, something bad happens, but normally somebody's there to stop it. And right now, 
unless we have another Deus Ex Buffy. Nothing. Nothing's around. It's middle of the night. This scene actually only half works for me. Oh. I think. Well, I think the beginning when he you first see him through the windows of the doors and he's very doing the very slow walk chase and he flings the doors open is great. But the rest of it, I think he kind of comes across looking like an idiot because he slams into the next set of doors. He trips over that huge. <laughs> he just prat falls straight over the like the janitor's car. He, he looks kind of like a moron for the second half of the fight, but the beginning is good. Yeah, the great Angelus. <laughs> this is how he hunts his prey. Right, right. Clumsy. He can't get the door open after she slams it in his face. But uh, he, she runs up the stairs after he trips over the mop bucket. She runs in front of the skylight in the hallway kind of thing. And This is a really nice window. Yeah, and she bumps right into him. He somehow went up the other way. And, Sorry, Jenny. This is where you get off. And boom, just snaps her neck immediately. Like, That's... holy sh- that's, that's a human so, death count four. That's so messed up. Like, we need to talk, take a minute to talk about why this is huge. Because previously, the, every character that died has been so minor. Or they came back, like Buffy. But this, this, and Joss said he did this because he two reasons. One, he needed people to realize that death is an issue. It's not, you know, all fun and games. People can get hurt. And two... That Angel's not just kidding. He's not just f***ing around. He's not just toying. Like, he's... Yeah, the actual term he used, he's not just grumpy. He's straight-up evil, and he doesn't care. He also listed a third reason uh, as a warning to cast members not to piss him off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Robia Lamour, who played Jenny, was very frustrated by this, actually. She said that just as the show was starting to get popular, they killed off her character. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and that's her only problem with Buffy the Vampire. So, yeah. uh, as we discussed before, at the time it was, uh, lately not so much. Uh, <laughs> but, no, wow, what a huge scene. Adley Stewart had, because of this scene, most likely, so this is his favorite episode. Yeah, he did, because and of this. Just huge, huge, big, uh, and if we're being real, I wasn't that sad. I recognized <laughs> that it was a big moment, but I was, you know, I don't think her death in itself, like, I, I think it's a beautifully shot moment, and, like, the, the, the cinematography in that particular shot is pretty, but <laughs> um, I don't think her death in itself is sad, but that's not to say anything about the rest of the episode. <laughs> um, no, so first reactions. Let's go around the table. Uh, Cordia, you're our esteemed guest. When you first saw this, what was your thoughts? First time watching the episode ever. I don't know if I can remember my first reaction. It's been a long time. Uh, my reaction generally always is just kind of, well, there's the, yes, she's dead. Because I don't <laughs> <love her. laughs> but there's, there's just, it's really more of a reflection of Angelus than it is about Ginny. Like, Ginny's dead. And I don't really think anybody's all that torn up about it, except that, of course, it hurts Giles. But what this shows us for Angelus and how quickly he does it and then his comment afterwards about how he never gets tired of doing it, like this is the moment where he really finally ups the stakes. Like he's been sort of mind playing with Buffy, but here he's actually killed somebody close to her, whether or not she and Jenny are on good terms right now at the moment. So it's really all about him. And in that, I think they just nailed it. And I think the first time I saw it, I probably was pretty shocked and surprised. 
And now, of course, that I knew it was coming, it's still satisfying. <laughs> Good word. Yeah, and on both sides because Ginny's dead, but also it's just it's kind of fun. That's not the word. Just the angels kill somebody. Like, <laughs> I'm a horrible person, apparently. Like, I mean, I like this for two reasons. Not just because someone <laughs> died, not because I witnessed a murder, but because it's kind of fun. <laughs> uh, but I witnessed the murder of somebody I don't like by somebody that I really enjoy watching. So, <laughs> no, Clairvoyant, you, you can't call Cordy a bad person when you're the same person that said, I love when Buffy gets shit on by people that are supposed to like her. <laughs> <laughs> when her dad reamed her out in nightmares and when angel turned and then reamed her out you loved both those moments it's fun watching sarah michelle geller cry <laughs> so Craig, how about your reaction first time watching um i was never super into the first few seasons of buffy when i watched it uh first season i didn't like because it's not that great second season i was actively trying not to like it despite it getting better just because I, it was a long show, I didn't really want to get into a show in the first place. But uh, my my well, not my ex at the time, but old Vampy kept pushing it on me, and so I, you know, this was like the moment where I just like you know, you know, no, it's just no another episode of Bobby. Damn, like oh, shit. like I dropped all, like I dropped the wall, like no, I didn't, like. <laughs> They killed the Scooby! <laughs> this, this is where shit gets real. So this is the moment when you decided you liked Buffy. Essentially. In in retrospect, that's how my mind remembers it. <laughs> but this is when... Like, this is like when... Yeah, like, this is when... I mean, this is Joss Whedon's first show. He worked on Roseanne, but he didn't exactly prove himself on Roseanne. To bite your tongue. <laughs> Joss Whedon is known for his ability to just slaughter your favorite characters and not care. And while Jenny is no one's favorite character, this is the first time that just... Uh, I mean, they were, she wasn't a series regular, but she was a recurring character. She's been in the show since season one, and now she's dead. And this is the first time he toyed with that, and it's the like it's when Joss like, realizes, like, what have I done? <laughs> I have the power, the power of making people cry, and he exploits it for years to come. So you're but, basically saying this is the moment when Joss became a god. Yeah, this is when, uh, no, I think this is when he realized he was a god. Oh, he already was, this is when it, yeah. came, it became reality this for when him. he's like, I have the power. <laughs> Uh, for me, no, I had the most lackluster, boring response. That's why I saved it for last. I knew that Jenny Condor was going to die. I knew it was going to happen in this episode. Uh, I knew how. I It was all spoiled for me. So when I watched it, I was like, that, it happened. Like, <laughs> it just, well, there it is. Yeah, about time. Like, it was nothing. It wasn't a big deal for me. But it doesn't change that the rest of the episode is emotional. So, And now I suppose we can also mention... Christoph Beck's beautiful Jenny Giles love theme that plays throughout the episode is in fact titled "Remembering Jenny." <laughs> yeah, and it's a it's it's a string score, string and pianos, but it's also sung by Anthony Stewart Head. He lent vocals to the track. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sung. It's it's the first Christoph Beck piece with vocals, but it's not like he you know sings. There's no lyrics. It's, it's he vocalizes. It's closer to humming, 
but it it just it blends so perfectly with the with the strings. We're huge music geeks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but later, Giles stops by Willow's, knowing nothing's amiss, and uh, you know she says, "Well, every spell worked fine, everything was going good till Angel told Joyce that they, you know, you know well, you do know, don't you? Like being a librarian and all, maybe you didn't." He's like, "No, no, thank you, I got it." <laughs> and he said, "Well, should I say something?" He's like, "What would you say?" And he just leaves. He can't. <laughs> yeah. I love. This is another reason I love Alison Hannigan. I love how she delivers the "What would you say?" because she just delivers it like hopefully and not sarcastically. Anyone else would be like, "What would you say?" But she's like, "Oh yeah, what would you say?" Like chipper, like she <laughs> wants to know, not like she doesn't think he could do it. <laughs> oh, see, I totally read that the other way. I thought she was just kind of pointing out to him that there's nothing he can say, and that's a ridiculous plan. Because then she opens the door and goes, "Okay, well, I'll tell Buffy you stopped by." Yeah. Well, and I, I think, think that's the purpose of it in the script, and I think that that's the way it's intended to be delivered, but I feel that's not ever how Allie delivers her lines, <laughs> like the way they're intended. Like, it still has the same meaning underneath, but I feel like she says it differently than anybody else would. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Buffy's mom at home is asking questions about Angel and her love life. You know, I thought you'd show more judgment. Are you in love with him? They have the talk. Were you careful? And yeah, it- see the talk and it's uncomfortable <laughs> and she is like well, you know you can shut me out of your life i'm used to it but don't expect me to ever stop caring because i'll never do that and i kind of hate joyce here a little bit i'm a big joyce defender, I and i understand where she's coming from but it is getting frustrating that she never knows all the facts and then makes her judgment calls based on that well but this she seems knows. like a pretty you know straightforward teen problem yeah i mean you i i <laughs> It's kind of hard to get frustrated at her for, you know, this thing which happens quite often and not assuming, oh, he was a vampire she and should then he know. turned evil after Buffy had sex. She should know. No, no, I will, I will always defend Joyce because she does the best she can in this situation. She I... never has all the facts. And she reacts, I think, in a way that if Buffy were in the normal situations that Joyce thinks she's in would be perfectly reasonable reactions. The fact that most of the time her reaction keeps Buffy in some way or other from saving somebody or saving the world and the planet and the universe as we know it, that's not really Joyce's fault. Yeah. So well, you are you a are you a, a team Joyce? You're you're all in favor of Joyce. She's uh, a pretty polarizing character to be honest. I, I on generally our show. support Joyce. I think that she gets the short end of the stick a lot of the times. And I think yeah. that she makes the best decisions that she can. Of course, she generally ends up being an obstacle because that makes things more interesting. But, you know, she's trying. Yeah, I, I personally, and I believe Mr. Universe is the same, uh, I enjoy Joyce as a character. Uh, for, you know, I definitely much more often than not. Uh, Joyce is a, is, a, is a likable character, but we have some guests that <laughs> almost every guest hates her so i feel like it's common to hate her wow but, wow well, i'm happy to stand on on the other side of that fence i stand I with joyce you and like one sick puppy on like a joyce heavy episode and like just watch because he despises joyce <laughs> my disdain for joyce didn't even last very long because she sits down and she's like i guess that was the talk and Buffy's like, how did it go? And she's like, I don't know. It was my first. And she just becomes much more likable immediately. Like, as a mom, she's more open with Buffy as most moms would be. 
She's a cool mom. Yeah. At home, here here we go. At home, Giles comes home to a nice rose on his door and opera playing in his apartment. The he fun- this, I just want to preface this scene by saying this is the most awful use of Puccini. Like this is this is such a horrible, horrible use. I mean, like not awful in that like they 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 chose a wrong song. It's just a horrible use on Angel's behalf of Puccini. <laughs> it's um, perfectly horrific. <laughs> but the tenor that actually sang the song was not told since since his production company owned the rights to the song was not told that the song was used on Buffy. And when he watched the episode and noticed, he said. That's fantastic. <laughs> he loved it. Giles comes in, he see, finds a note on a bottle of wine that says upstairs in some nice handwriting. And so he kind of prepares himself. He's so happy. You can just see it in his face. And, and so Anthony had selling it in this scene. And can we talk about, about... And he takes off his glasses. Can we talk about just how we, we know the, how this is playing out? Because we saw Jenny die. Um, how nice Angel's handwriting is. <laughs> For, I mean, he's had several hundred years to perfect it, but he's a boy. It should be bad. But he follow, Giles follows the roses and candles up the stairs. Music starts to crescendo. And at the very top, it just ends. He drops the wine, looks up, and just... Jenny, dead in his bed. Holy That's sh... That's all I can so- say. Could not have made a rhyme right there. That just felt really wrong. Jenny dead in Giles' bed. Something else that rhymes. It's something like awful Dr. Seuss. <laughs> yeah, this is Dr. Seuss from hell. But... This is just, oh man, this scene, I've seen it probably a half, at least a half a dozen times. And I still end up practically bawling like a baby. It's just, it's the darkest thing that I've seen in this show for you know, for a while. We saw a dude hang himself and. I robot Eugene, but like, everything. This is the first character we felt a somewhat personal connection to. Yeah, you know, this character's been around, and pretty much everyone wants Giles to be happy, whether they like Jenny or not. And yeah. you, he's so he is so happy that you know he he is totally ready to forgive her. He just wants them to make up and be over with it. And he's just he's so, he is so happy, and he sees the body, and it just like it dawns on him. And it's just the most, it's a great piece of acting, which is the horrified realization. And everyone was all worried and careful the whole episode, except for Giles. He kept saying, you know, just keep your head on straight. Like, don't worry about it. It's not gonna, nothing bad's gonna happen. And then he never suspected that it could happen to him. He forgot, and I forgot as well, that he ever invited Angel into his apartment. The only reason he did was when Jenny was possessed by Igon. So such a minor thing. And just, wow, he's just shell shocked. He's just police are there taking the body away. I need to take him down for some questioning. He's just standing there staring blank, you know, police glow on him. He just can't emotionless. He just, yeah, he's just in shock. And you know, I didn't like Jenny that much, but I did kind of ship them and his reaction destroys me. It's and I just like so much harder than her death was. His answer, you know, the police, you know, says we're gonna have to ask you a few questions, and just oh yes, procedure. Like how he's almost like disgusted. Like that's you, know, someone's dead. Why do I care? Like and he's always Mister Order, Mister Rules, and at this point he's like that's the last thing he'd ever want to do. 
Yeah. I found that to be a weird response though, because is he not just sub like suspect number one here? Yeah. Well, I think judging by his reaction alone, I mean, like he he would be suspect from a legal sense, but I, th- I don't think the police actually suspect him. <laughs> like, yeah, and he, just he probably like, called... the people who were there, like seeing him, they'd be like, yeah, I don't believe there's a chance in hell that this is the guy who did it. And he well, that's what the really sure, good. Too. The really good murderers make you believe. <laughs> That's true. She's and, like, trust me. <laughs> meanwhile, Angel's got another monologue as he watches everyone's reaction to the phone call. It's actually the same. Like it's the it's a continuation. Yeah. Of the same speech. And just Buffy's like, she's kind of like, "Hey, Giles, how's it going? It worked, you know." And then, oh my god, and she just goes quiet and gives the phone to Willow and just slumps against the wall. And then That's... Willow starts. Like, no, and just sobbing, and I can't handle it. I cannot. This scene is a tearjerker. It's like, and it's just, it's playing Remembering Jenny, and that's in the foreground, and over top of that, even, is Angel's, Angel's voiceover, you know, talking about passion. It's just his speech. And him, it's, the scene, I like how it's focused on Angel, and him just so excited for their reaction. Yeah, Which he's... makes it even more f***ed up. And their reaction, while it's the focus of the scene, is in the background. Yeah, really good directing this episode. And probably writing, I'm sure. But just the shots that they decide to go with are really creative, and I really like them. And just the damn song. Just stop playing. <laughs> like, I can't... Like, Sarah Michelle Gellar doesn't break down in this scene. Buffy has cried in the past. She's more emotionally... Confu- like just kind of blank she's she's crying but she's not falling like, but willow allison hannigan she's a great crier by the way and she she cries <laughs> whenever she can she cried last episode because xander didn't love her back when she was under a spell <laughs> holding an axe in a courtyard backed by a mob of women so <laughs> so she can cry on command but but it was so awful to see her sobbing i just couldn't and just this whole scene, and just, I think this is, um, along with Buffy quitting in season one, probably the most emotional scene on the show to date. Um, right, so it, it, now that you guys have sung its praises, <laughs> I hate you know this what? scene. Why? Guardian. Ah, well, okay, so I love Angel outside watching the reactions, but I don't buy their reactions at all. Like, other Why? than it just being shock, because they don't like Ginny anymore. Willow likes taking her spot. Willow her likes taking her job, so she should be happy that Ginny is dead. No, I just felt like it was... It, You're such They a were monster. reacting to me <laughs> more how I would expect them to react if Cordelia was found dead or Xander was found dead. Like, I felt like their reactions were too much for it being Ginny. Well, Buffy's felt... I I, found, I I would disagree with you. I found they were very fitting. Because uh, Buffy felt like almost like in shock. Like, oh, holy sh**. And also, it feels... You could see the gears turning in her head. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if she was thinking... Like, wow, I didn't apologize to her. And now that, that means absolutely nothing. Or like, I you remember know, the last that, how, how I said to her. Yeah, how petty all that is now that she's gone. While Willow, who never really had any bad blood with with Jenny is uh, much more emotional. I think she'd cry if they told her, like, Larry was found out. Like, just Willow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Xander and Cordelia show up outside their house. They 
you know, like, are you going to take us to Giles? And Cordelia's super respectful. She's like, of course. Like, not even a hint of a joke or sarcasm or cattiness. Yeah, I do agree, Cordelia, that um, it would have, the scene would have felt a little more reasonable if they spent more time. Because it, it was like, as far as Buffy was concerned, it was never everything's cool again. You know, it was the, it was that way with Giles, but there's no kind of like making up. She's part of the gang, which is what Joss usually does before killing a character. But yeah, it felt like, you know, bad blood, bad blood. She's dead and then they're sad. And yeah. I feel if if they had made up a little bit, the scene would have been more more powerful and made almost more sense. But well, yeah, I can see that. Also, uh, Jenny was never fully realized. I think as a character, I I think I heard originally a rumor, it might be false, that they were going to kill Oz here and decided to switch the scripts and change things around last second. And you know, I think it's more important that Jenny died, but it would probably even have more impact if it was even just Oz. You know. Yeah, but then we wouldn't have Oz. Yeah. Well, that's the <laughs> that's the downside. We must forever have Oz. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Cordelia is respectful, agrees to take him to Giles. They go there, but he's not around. He took all his weapons, his good weapons that he keeps at home. And they find Angel's note in his so handwriting. So when guests come over. <laughs> and they're not here, and they're like, what could he do? And they surmise that he's probably going to try and kill Angel. Which, Xander's good. You know, it's about time somebody did. I think I deserve something for not saying I told you so sooner. You know, if Giles wants to kill Angel, I say faster, pussycat. Kill, kill. Which, dark, kind of true. But, you know, Buffy, with the level head, as Giles told her to keep, says, but he'll die if he fights Angel. I still applaud Xander here. Yeah. If, if somebody has been a listener of the Buffy watch, they will know that we were not always on Xander's side. <laughs> But I think he he deserves he has earned this outburst. Yes, I absolutely agree. I well, I'm usually Team Xander to be honest. Uh, not always, but I can always see where he's coming from. And yeah, I think this is a very deserved faster pussycat kill kill, which is a B movie reference. <laughs> like it's a, there's a B That's movie like called a D faster movie. Pussycat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Spike's not happy at Angel for killing the wrong people and just messing with the wrong people and just never doing things the way Spike would do it. And they have a little scuffle about how they're going to do things. Angel calls Spike Roller Boy, which is a great line, and says, "You know, I've got everything under control." And then, boom, Molotov cocktail, <laughs> and then a, a crossbow bolt to Angel's chest, and then Jaws comes up dips his baseball bat gracefully into the flames and flaming baseball bat to Angel's face. <laughs> Best oh. weapon ever. <laughs> that, agreed. That was just, That's effective. Angel says something along the lines like, whatever happened to a simple staking or something like that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Drew and Spike just kind of watch on the sidelines. They're right there. Giles could attack them. They could attack him. But they just watch as he beats the hell out of Angel and they're like, no. If he taps in, we'll join. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, so good. Such a satisfying moment. To yeah. See yeah. Oh, absolutely. Wailing on him. Well, no just... hesitation. Just powering forward. No like recoil. No anything. He's just pushing forward. Just an unstoppable force. It's yeah. just such a moment of just catharsis. <laughs> just and, let it all out. <laughs> and 
Angel stops Giles. He's gonna kill him, presumably. But boom, he's like, he "Says you have you've had your fun now, or something like right. that." Right, and then Buffy yeah. says, "My turn," or something like that, and shows up, uh, knocks Giles loose, or he gets a little loose, passed out a little bit, <laughs> and Buffy and Angel have a kind of a really long fight sequence on stairs. And their stunt people did a fantastic job here. Like, it's great fighting, poking each other's legs out while they're running upstairs, and just great. Just great stairs fight. I don't know what else to say about it. It was just a good fight. Yeah. No, and, it is. It's it's very engaging fight. It's It's got a lot of visual interest. It's all over the place. The The long-distance shots make the stunt double slightly less noticeable than sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. So, yeah, it's a great fight. And Buffy's going to kick Angel's ass on the walkway, but he says, you're going to let your old man burn? And she looks back. Giles is passed out there. And I feel like Buffy would have jumped to save him anyway. But for some reason, Angel throws her down there. And it doesn't look like it hurts her. It looks like it helps her. Like the stunt people were like, oh, here, I'll help you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But either way, she she gets down there to get to Giles and Angel flees. And outside, Buffy you know drags Giles out. Why'd you come here? This wasn't your fight. And boom, she just punches him out. And then she breaks down, which breaks me up inside and what i think what hurts me more about this scene is this is the first time we see giles crying and they're both just kind of broken sobbing hugging tears out of my eyes and bobby says like why would you do this i can't do this alone and just oh now it's just like this is yeah the first time giles ever lets it out and you're like oh he's a person not just a librarian but true Whedonverse fashion, they destroyed the set of the warehouse. They lit it ablaze and then broke a bunch of pieces of it because that's how they say goodbye to sets in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think uh, it's an excellent ritual. Now, later we cut to another angel passion monologue as you know Giles goes home to his apartment, rips off the caution tape. He's just kind of glumly... He's... He's a broken man. He's not the same. And then we cut to the grave where Buffy and Giles are laying flowers and just kind of mourning. Now, this bugged me because her grave says Jennifer Calendar. But we know her name is Yana Calderash. Her birth name, which a grave should say. So <laughs> Maybe she changed it. Maybe she legally changed it. But Well, I think that she actually did have it changed so she could come and be this sneaky sort of side person. Because the school has her under Ginny Calendar, so she probably has this actual like other identity. Yeah, I guess so. It's a really lame grave. It's only got her name. That's uh, extremely lame. <laughs> and Giles says, you know, I've buried too many people as a watcher, but Jenny was the first I loved. And Buffy says, you know, I'm sorry I couldn't kill him for you, for her, when I had the chance. I wasn't ready, but I think I finally am. And we got to Willow, her first real day in class. Snyder this time asked her to fill in. Well, the new teacher arrived, which... I like how she's, like... She's not regulation. This will forever and always bother me so much. (laughs) And it's so frustrating that it's right at the end of the episode and I want to be invested in what's just happened and I want to be paying attention to the monologue and instead I'm thinking, this is so stupid that she's teaching this class. I I like, though, that she was so excited, but she clearly is getting, like, no joy from this at this point. Yeah, no. And she says she's just going to teach the curriculum that she left behind, and she accidentally bumps the yellow-ass floppy disk between the desks. God damn it. Are you kidding me? Right as Buffy says, I've accepted that he'll never be the angel I know again. 
Are you kidding me? And boom. That's such bullshit. Episode end. Wow. Wow. So I thought this is a fantastic episode. Very well done. And just all the pieces, like the, the floppy disk falling between, that's such a little touch. That's such a, like a gut-wrencher that just... Dramatic show, show, irony. Yeah, that Buffy just does so well with the dramatic irony. And it actually kind of makes me want to punch Willow in the face. It's all her fault. She killed Jenny. but <laughs> Yeah, I think we can pretty much blame everything on Willow from here out. So we got a human death count of four and other death count of one this episode. And maybe if we count the Orbithesla, too. But I'm not going to. Uh, it's not a living being. It's got it a soul. to react. <laughs> no, very... And that chicken on the dinner table had to die. Oh, yes. That should count as a <laughs> But, no, it was, it was a fantastic episode. Very heavy. Very character strong. Emotional. First time... It's just iconic. First time a big character dies. No Oz. So uh, I gave it personally one out of five stakes. <laughs> no, no, I gave it a five. I gave it a five. It's another five for me. Such a good episode. Just can't think of anything I'd change. Well, unless the little things were nitpicking. But five out of five stakes for me. I had to get my rating out of the way right off the bat. I was just so excited. Cordia, you're our esteemed guest. What did you think of this episode? And what's your stakes rating? Well, the episode is fantastic. Obviously, the episode is amazing. I think it stands on its own. I think this is definitely an episode where I, I can't imagine somebody saying, yeah, this episode is. Yeah, no, it's pretty obviously fantastic. I mean, I don't gosh, you're limiting me to a scale of one to five. That's kind of rough, actually, because we always had this thing on the Buffy rewatch where it's like we would never give an episode 100 because no episode is perfect. And so if if I can't give it like four and ninety ninths of a steak. We do halves. You can do a half stick. Okay, so I'll, I'll, well, I want to give this four and, and three quarters at least. Okay, I can take at that. Least. But I do have, like, my I, obviously little nitpicks. And like I said, the end I found just kind of distracting and, like, overly obnoxious. The <laughs> whole knocked down disc. But overall, really, really good episode. So, yeah, four, four and three quarter stakes. That's pretty good. Clairvoyant, you're the bitter one that hates giving episodes good ratings. I do not. I, I, well, hey, iRobot Eugene. Yeah, you gave iRobot Eugene three stakes out of five. That was. You that's... gave iRobot Eugene. I can't process that. <laughs> I gave it one. If that one and that a half. That is appropriate. Yes. You're both wrong. Zero stakes. Zero stakes. <laughs> Robo Moloch. I feel this is the time <laughs> to point out to our listeners that I had asked Cordia if she wanted to be on any bad episodes like Ted or bad eggs. And she specifically said, no, you do not want me on those episodes. <laughs> well, I think, I think you specifically mentioned Inca mummy girl, which if there are any Buffy rewatch the nurses forever and always my least favorite episode and came up over and over and over again on that podcast as a way to mock me for how much I hated it. So yeah, I don't, I don't like the bad episodes. I'm not the kind of person that takes joy from the cheese. See, well, that was exactly why I liked I wrote about Eugene. The cheese was delicious. <laughs> Buffalo mozzarella. <laughs> Clairvoyant, what would you say about this episode, season two, episode seventeen, Passion? Um, well, I mean, it was directed by Michael Gershwin, uh, Ger- the Gersh Gershie, and uh, Michael Gershwin. If you don't know, is the cinematographer of the show, and it does show. I mean, it's pretty obvious watching the episode. And uh, so it's a beautifully shot episode, which automatically uh, bumps things up in my old film schooly mind. 
And you know, it's it's great score by Christoph Beck. It's an emotional episode. Uh also, it's the last time I ever have to defend Jenny Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> it's a relief for everybody. <laughs> so, so that's nice. Uh, it, in all, it is a really good episode. It's like it, it, it's it's iconic in that it's the first time, aside from the failed attempt with Jesse in the in the pot, you know in the two parter, uh, the first episode, it's the first time Joss killed a character we care about. So, that's I, that's big. That's, that's that is his trademark. As as much as he hates to admit it, the anointed one. Those don't. No one cares about them. <laughs> oh, my co-host on the show, the anointed one, was one of his favorite characters. He just thought he was misused. Robin, Robin, Robin. That, he thought the idea was excellent character was crap but anyway this episode it's it's definitely a great one it's you know the the ending pisses me off to no end with knocking the the floppy disk like if it was like if this was the if this was the end of that arc and you know buffy accepts that she you know i'm not getting angel back and then the floppy disk gets knocked by it would almost be like a, a poetic way of saying no you're not you know it's like a a closure thing, except this arc is going to continue and Angel is still an evil bastard. So that just pisses me off. Because <laughs> it's sitting ten, like a foot away from Willow. Ugh! Anyway, so I'd give this a 4.5 out of 5 stakes. It's a strong one. I don't know if it's quite as as good as... Um, what was the one that I gave 5? Innocence? Yes. I, I wouldn't... You know, that one... I mean, we got to see Angel be a bastard and make Buffy cry. <laughs> so Plus, that's... he has a shirt off in that episode, right? Yes. Yeah. So extra yeah. stake for that. Exactly, and as you said, no Oz. So, <laughs> uh, so it could be could be better. <laughs> and yeah, there were things that I noticed that, yeah, that could have been improved. I like. It's not like I would say. If I wrote this episode, I would write it differently. But if they handed me the script after it was written, there are things I would tweak. I'm just glad that Jenny's whole gypsy storyline that was shoehorned into the season and unnecessary is resolved. Yeah, that was just kind of bull. <laughs> never, never really liked that. It was dumb and such a weird coincidence. <laughs> so, it sounds like we even out at a at a lovely 4.75 out of five stakes, Cordia. Thank you so much for showing up. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Cordelia? Yeah, Cordelia. Mm. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about Buffy rewatch? You know what, where you can find that, even though it's it's obviously over, it's been rewatched, and what you're doing now, as well as about you know seriously swatch and everything that you're doing. Oh wow! Well, I I'm kind of yeah all over the place, I guess. Well, the Buffy rewatch was a retrospective spoiler-free podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like we are. still rattle that off, no problem. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you could find that at thebufferywatch.wordpress.com or all the episodes are still up on iTunes. And it is finished. We finished it up last year, but we have an episode for every single episode of the show. So if you feel a need to have even more Buffy podcast in your life, there's that. We also have our drunk episode Ooh. at the very end, which was great fun. 
And now I have a nail polish blog. One of my big hobbies, aside from watching TV and podcasting, is to do my nails. And so if you have any interest in nail polish, I have a blog where I post pictures. That's called SeriouslySwatched.com. And the podcast that I'm doing now is for Gilmore Girls. Like I said, we call it Return to Stars Hollow. And you can find that on iTunes and Stitcher and at returntostarshollow.blogspot.com. And that is the same style. It's spoiler-free. And we are just about in the second season, kind of parallel to where you guys are in Buffy. It's been a very different experience because Gilmore Girls doesn't have any supernatural stuff or vampires or death counts or any of that. But we talk a lot about the fashion and the external references because that's a big thing about that show is they're very reference heavy they mention all sorts of things from all over the era about tv shows and movies and famous people and things like that and it's it's great fun oh that's wonderful so definitely go check out those projects now cordia what's it like i mean you you wrapped buffy rewatch a year ago what's it like (laughs) doing it again (laughs) coming back and like talking about buffy some more it was fun. I really enjoyed it. Passion is one of my favorite episodes. So I, I paid her to say this. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was great. I really appreciate you guys reached out to me to be on the show. And I thought that sounded like a lot of fun because it's hard to say too much about Buffy. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. And so I haven't been able to talk about it regularly for a, almost a year. And I just really appreciate being able to come back. I was I was really nervous that I was going to get something out of order and spoil something for later in the season, but I think I did okay. Well, you so. did perfect. Also, when you wrapped almost a year ago, did any part of your mind think, I'm going to be on a podcast talking about Buffy still a year from now? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I've never expected to be asked to guest on a podcast. It's very flattering. We're very glad you said yes. And I'm sure our listeners are too. I know we have a lot of shared listeners that were very excited uh, when I reached out to you via Twitter, like, do it, do it, do it. So <laughs> so this is to you, fans. <laughs> Weedenverse podcast rating, 4.75 out of 5 stakes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at at Whedoncast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, or review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. The Whedonverse Podcast is brought to you by the HHW LOD Network. You can find them at hhwlod.com, on Twitter at hhwlod underscore network, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash hhwlod. The Tangent Bound Network can be found at tangentboundnetwork.com, on Twitter at tangentboundpc, and on Facebook at tangentboundnetwork. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 18, Killed by Death, written by Rob Deshotel and Dean Batali, directed by Darren Serafian, original air date, March 3rd. 1998. Welcome to part two of the episode. We just finished Passions. Passions? Passion? Passion. It's a big, significant episode. A big, significant episode, even. Yeah. Um, 
one thing that's funny that we didn't mention is that that episode was actually in place of the the previous one. We mentioned it on the episode of the previous one, but now with the full weight of passion of Jenny dying, imagine that taking the place of the episode where everyone's trying to kill Xander because of a love spell. Right. That's that's weird. And it, it would be even weirder if like they were reversed. Like imagine if passion happened and then everyone's trying to kill Xander with love spell. There would be no sexy Jenny. True, and it'd also just be it'd feel wrong. <laughs> Uh, but this episode we're doing is Killed by Death. Which is a pretty... The, the title is pretty... Uh, Dark. To the point. Yeah. Uh, now, we were supposed to have a guest on this episode, Ling Ling, from Once More with Ling Ling on YouTube. Absolutely great YouTube show. Uh, one of a kind when it comes to, to Buffy stuff. She couldn't make it, unfortunately. Hopefully we'll get her again in the future, though. This episode was actually going to be in Season 1. This was a Season 1 episode conceived and ended up being pushed back. But it was it supposed to be in the first season. Doesn't surprise me. It feels like a, it could definitely fit into season one. Uh, it just, well, it'd be it would be a stronger one <laughs> for season one. But uh, it feels feel like it could fit. So in Finland, this episode's called "Death on a Round." In French, it's called "Recollection," and in Germany, it's called "Invisible Death." I like French, though it does not do wonders in telling you what this episode's really about. No. It's not as dark as the other ones. But we start this episode with a previously on, which is interesting, because in the past that's been reserved to arc-significant episodes, and this is a fairly episodic one. I think that hurt the episode a bit, too. The fact that they put a previously on? Yeah, because we've been... Previously on in the past means big episode coming up. And in this episode, I feel it wasn't as big as other episodes I have a previously on. If you diminishes, diminishes the previously on, maybe, maybe. So anyway, this episode starts with uh, a weak and lethargic Buffy jumping over a fence uh, to patrol the cemetery, which she's never done before. Patrol a cemetery, or be be in a graveyard in general. Yeah, I think this might actually be the first time we see Buffy actually patrol. <laughs> Not true. So, <laughs> she hears a noise and goes to stake someone before quickly realizing that it's Xander, uh, who is patrolling with Willow and Cordelia, because Buffy is sick with the flu and should be at home. Yeah, the Alpert grave is here. Yeah, I'm I really excited. <laughs> and Xander's got a very unique outfit. Does he? What's he he does. He's got, like, plaid pants and, like, a suit jacket. Brown kind of suit jacket looking thing. It's just, it was weird. Uh, so, they urge Buffy to go home. But, you know, Angelus is lurking about, and uh, that's kind of, that keep, that's keeping her going. Yeah. So. And Courtney says, you know, it's a real issue, all these people being sick. We're all concerned about how gross you look. <laughs> and they're like, don't worry, Angel's not going to kill anyone else. And of course, oh, come on, just one more, he's here. It just it has to be there behind them. And he tackles Cordelia. Buffy and him fight a bit. And he clearly has the upper hand, I thought, in this fight. Because yeah. she's sick and weak. Yeah, and he even mentions that. It kind of takes the fun out of it that she's sick, but it's still fun. And then uh, he, he pins Buffy down. 
Uh oh, this does not look good for our heroine. <laughs> Which is a great line. And then Willow throws a coat over him, and they all pull out crosses and scare him off. And so then Buffy scolds him for uh, not leaving her alone. She can fight her own battles, and then she just collapses to the ground. And we get the theme song. Yeah. <laughs> Weird opening. I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like. Angel. At last episode, Angel was at his most menacing. He was showed that he was a real threat. I feel like him just showing up just to pick a little fight is so out of character for him right now, and so it makes it diminishes him. I feel like he's not as menacing as he was last episode because Buffy fights vampires all day long, and right now just fighting him in a graveyard, just out, you know, hunting. That's that reduces him to just like every other vampire. The Master, you could never do something like that. I feel like one reason they might have written Angel or Angelus into this episode is the fact that it was intended for season one. Uh, and they may have even had, you know, for the most part, a script outline written up, and they're like, oh, but, you know, we just killed Jenny. Angelus is on the rise. We can't ignore that fact. And so they may have just, you know, written in little bits and pieces with him so it actually fits within the context of the season and it doesn't just feel like a complete throwaway. Yeah, I definitely, I can see that. That's possible. So we got the theme song. Yeah, and the gang rushes Buffy to the hospital. uh, And they try to follow Buffy into the emergency room, but are stopped by the staff. Now, is it just me? You know, it doesn't look like she's just sick. Everyone's like, you just have the flu. She passed out, and she's not just like, just like fainted she's out cold she's unconscious like this is more than just a little sick nah she's just gotta it's going around yeah and everybody's all worried in the waiting room and i feel overly worried like personally as a viewer i wasn't scared i was like they're waiting around like waiting for the news and joyce shows up and giles shows up and i'm like she's gonna make it i think (laughs) (laughs) maybe because there are a few more episodes this season maybe because there's 40 more minutes in the episode yeah, and uh, so Buffy's mom shows up, wants to see Buffy, and the doctor says, oh, Buffy's stabilized, she's going to be fine, but she'll have to stay here for a few days. And then Buffy's wheeled out on a bed. She's a little drugged up, a little confused, uh, probably because both Xander and Willow are wearing sweaters, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and uh, she know, the one thing she does, though, is she's not terribly happy about staying at the hospital. She keeps trying to get out of her hospital bed. Yeah, she says her own bed at home is comfier, and she can rest better there, and also that she needs to kill the vampires, which <laughs> the gang dismisses you know, the fever talking, and they do a pretty terrible job at it. <laughs> Shh! Hospital zone, no singing. <laughs> <laughs> I love how just, like, Xander and... I, I believe it's Willow or Xander and Cordelia do a terrible job at lying, saying, oh, that's the fever talking... And then Giles does a convincing, oh, yes, Buffy, we'll, we'll fight the vampires for you. And then, of course, he feels the need to say, oh, yeah, it's best to just roll with it. Like, Stop being suspicious. Xander's a little wigged. He's not used to seeing Buffy scared. And her mom says that Buffy always hated hospitals uh, because she saw her cousin Celia die in a hospital when she was eight, and they were really close. And that's a human death count of one, by the way. Poor Celia. But Joyce wants to call Buffy's dad, keep him updated on what's happening. 
spoiler, the phone has no cord. It's not even plugged in to the jack on the wall behind it. And Joyce, uh, she gives Giles her condolences over Jenny's death at the phone, which also feels a little tacked on, but it was, it was a nice, it was a nice touch. So the gang wonders, you know, if Buffy's going to be okay and safe when Angel, from Angel as Cordelia babbles about Buffy's thing on her face and how she should get plastic surgery to remove it. Yeah. Do you think she'll be safe here? Well, I don't know. Lisette came in here to get her nose done. She wanted to go into the Paltrow, but she got a Mr. Potato Head. So she's not here for plastic surgery. Well, she should be. Well, she's here. She get that thing checked out on her face. You know the thing? Am I the only person who noticed the thing? And Buffy at night... Is all delirious. Yeah, that night it's uh, as the clock strikes two twenty-seven. Uh, Buffy opens her eyes to see a little kid in pajamas just staring at her. JGL. No, it's not. I think the reason this wasn't in the first season was because it was so similar to nightmares in the first season. That's possible. It does have similarities. Uh, he walks away, and all of a sudden, a horrifying Freddy Krueger nightmare man walks after him. Creepy prosthetics. He's got like tusks almost and he's blind messed up face long scraggly hair a little like black like kind of pot pork pie hat now joss whedon himself has said that this creature is not based off freddy krueger it's in fact based off the just the concept of the boogeyman and something that scared him as a kid but that being said i think we can all agree that this creature is pretty clearly based off freddy krueger even if that's not what joss intended yeah i believe i believe that as well he's got long fingernails that are used as claws <laughs> he's got a scarred up burnt up face he's got the same kind of outfit just minus the stripes he's very clearly based off freddy krueger even if that was like the you know the the creature designer's idea and not joss's he was based off Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And so she follows the man down the hall while some dude mops. And she has what we can really only assume are flashbacks of her as a kid. Uh, set to a pretty creepy score. Uh, as young Buffy wanders the halls during what we imagine is her cousin's time in the hospital. Now, this young girl... Does not look even one percent like she could grow up to be Sarah Michelle Geller. I could see her growing up to be Sarah Michelle Geller. One thing that I particularly liked about it is that they made her brunette because Buffy is clearly a natural brunette. Uh and you know, dyes her hair, bleaches her hair. And uh one thing that's great about that is like most shows wouldn't do that. Most shows would cast a little blonde girl and it's like Buffy's clearly not blonde. And this show is, like, more, like, it's like they're more concerned with uh, authenticity than people asking questions. Yeah. So I liked that. But, uh, yeah, little Buffy uh, turns the corner, sees a cloth. She's about to pull it away, but it's 227. Yeah, the, as the clock strikes 227, uh, Buffy opens Makes up her eyes real to, again. See, <laughs> to see no little kid in pajamas staring at her. No Freddy Krueger. No horrifying Freddy Krueger nightmare man walks after him. And as she follows no one down the hall while some dude mops, she does not have flashbacks. She rips out her IVs like a bad, and then just kind of... <laughs> she just kind of observes the other patients in the rooms while a security guard eyes her suspiciously. And every room she walks past is creepy. Like, creepy... St- like, I feel like this episode is based on the hallways and hospitals are creepy. Yeah, and there's nothing particularly... Like, there's nothing that makes them creepy... 
especially even in this scene, it's not like there's actual horrifying stuff going on. It's just like... Buffy's afraid of them, too. Old people getting their medicine and just sitting up in bed and... It's just, hospitals are unsettling, and it plays on that. <laughs> but, yeah, Uber spooky guard peeps out at her. And she walks up to the children's ward, and they push out this stretcher, and, man, I hate it when we lose the young ones. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> That's really messed up. It's a human death count, too. It's, like, it, man, it doesn't sound like they're upset. They sound pretty relaxed. It's not like, I hate it when you lose the young ones. It's like... Man, I hate it when you lose the young ones. <laughs> if I was a doctor, I'd I wouldn't be professional if a kid died on my watch. A lot of doctors in media are portrayed as not really Attached. having yeah, not really having like I I know personally that a lot of doctors and a lot of nurses you know, whether they want to or not form an attachment with their patients and if their patients die it's really hard for them, especially if they die under their care. Uh, but I've noticed, yeah, often in media, that's not the case. No. There's, you know, they're always they're just professional. Oh, we lost another one. Yeah, but uh, Buffy turns around, or she she overhears a doctor arguing with the head orderly. You know, like, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to up the dosage? And he's like, yes, the of course. head orderly? Give Dr. Wilkerson her due. She's basically the head orderly. But, no, so they're arguing, you know, are you sure this is okay? He's like, I have the parents' permission. And they just kind of get in a little fight about the medicine. And then, Yeah, about his uh, experimental treatments with the kids. And Buffy turns around, and the two kids are there. Or two kids. Yeah, the little kid from before, and then also a little girl, because little girls are creepy in general. And he comes at night. The grown-ups don't see him. He's he's with Tina tonight. He'll come back for us. Which... Yeah, she says, who? He says, death. Just eerie. Kids are f- <laughs> Damn kids, why are you going to be so spooky all the time? But at this point, I'm getting the sense that they're trying to play on traditional horror tropes. Kids are creepy. Hospitals are creepy. Trying Creeps. to make it... Crids are keepy. <laughs> Trying to make it all tense. And it's just not playing off for me. I... Yeah, I mean, if they're going for... Yeah, I, I guess I could see that. Like, I, I thought it was an interesting episode, but if they were going for legitimate horror, it's not doing it. No. Um, but, you know, uh, while Buffy is a horror show, I never really found it with few exceptions to be actually scary. And I feel like for the most part, that's not ever what they're actually going for. This episode, it's like, it's it's iffy. It might be what they're going for, and if that is the case, they failed. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> that night, Angel waltzes in with flowers like a jackass. Yeah. What? Wait, revisit that sentence. I thought Angel, first of all, I thought Angel was so gentlemanly. And now he's visiting with flowers, and you call him a jackass for it? He's sarcastically bringing flowers. <laughs> but I feel like, once again, diminishes him as a villain. No, he's always so planned and calculated, and like, what's my next move? How can I be sneaky, mess them up without them seeing me? And this episode, he's really, you In know... In this particular instance, I disagree. 
He's rubbing it in everybody's faces. And, like, I feel it's so poor form to just walk into a hospital. I feel like if you're talking in regards to, you know, Angel last episode creeping about, snapping Jenny's neck, maybe. But Angelus, since he's been Angelus, has had a history of just f***ing with Buffy. You know, he's, he's not subtle. He's not quiet. He's, he's very much just trying his hardest to rub it in her face. Like, uh, even, like, the first episode where he turned when he's trying to make her believe that, oh, that the sex wasn't good and that it was her fault. And then, you know, he's constantly just... He he, he goes between, you know, serial killer preciseness and just trying his hardest to f*** with Buffy because he knows it hurts her. Like, he knows that it's playing with her emotions. So in this case, I felt this was very within the realm of what Angelus would do. I feel it was sloppy, though. I feel like Xander at any point could have just pushed him into a corner, staked him immediately. Like, he he's putting everybody else in a vulnerable spot because he's definitely dangerous and not afraid to go on a spree, killing spree in there. But he's also putting himself in a dangerous spot because he doesn't want to give his cover away so anybody else could just stake him quietly. Like, I feel like it was just kind of a sloppy, unthreatening I f- move. I feel that... He, I mean, he's banking, obviously, on the fact that no one's going to stake him in public. And I feel that's honestly a safe bet. I would stake him. And if other people saw it, I'd be like, this is a hospital. You're going crazy. Also, he knows that the only people that could stake him are the Scoobies. Like, Buffy, Buffy, he knows, like, Buffy's pretty much the only person who has a chance at killing him. And she's out of commission. So, if anyone else tries, I could see him being there prepared to take out the whole hospital and it's probably something he's done in the past i agree i just think he's getting cocky he well he's always been cocky isn't jealous that's his thing that's what makes him fun but uh, xander pushes him he eggs him on like yeah i'd like to see you try and get past me and the guards and the orderlies i bet you could do it why don't you try it's like why what if he could do it why are you pushing him to do it well angel first angelus angel angel us says uh <laughs> You know, do you think if if I was going to go into Buffy's room for one nanosecond, you'd be able to stop me? And he says, well, you know, you, you probably, you know, I probably wouldn't be able to stop you. But, you know, there's guards and orderlies and cops, you know, and they, they probably could. And he's like, I'd like to see you try. I think he just knows that Angel's not, he's there to f*** with Buffy, but he's not there to go on a killing spree just yet. Because... While he is trying to be, you know, cocky and trying to be, just trying to mess with Buffy's head, he's not going to play all his cards just yet. I think it'd be, he, they both recognize what a dumb move that would be on Angel's behalf. And how chances are he's not making it out of that okay. So, yeah, he just, uh, as a parting shot, he's like, you still love her. You know, it must just eat you up that I got there first. <laughs> And Xander just says the great line, you're going to die, and I'm going to be there. But it just, that line, Angelus's line there must, you know, eat you up yeah. that I got there first. Being a naive little boy as myself, took me a while of thinking to be like, God, where first? Like, Xander saved her underground with the master. So Xander got there first. Like, I, it took me a bit. Don't judge me. Wow. I'm just a little baby. <laughs> But a little sloppy, a little cocky, flashback to a kid in an avalanche 
screaming for help. No, it's like a little kid covered in pillows. An avalanche of pillows. There's a pile of pillows. Oh, kid in an avalanche of pillows. Power Girl to the rescue, which is a comic book reference. It's Lil Buffy. Yeah, it's Fetus Buffy, as Tumblr would call her. And she's in a cape, full Power Girl regalia. And we cut to uh, Lil Buffy pulling aside the cloth. In a not-so-adorable flashback. <laughs> no, and she sees Celia in bed and just kind of laying there. Buffy's waking up and to the doctor, Dr. Wilkinson, not the head order. Orderly Wilkinson. And she tries to leave. Are you saying women can't be doctors? That's sexist. No, I'm just saying that she doesn't do any doctory sh- She's just, <laughs> she's like the receptionist that got a PhD and then now is assigned to death duty because she probably killed somebody during open-heart surgery or something. <laughs> What? This is her punishment. This is my How fan is fiction. Desk duty. She's doing doctor sh- <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, she tries to leave, but Dr. Wilkinson keeps stopping mm. her. Uh, Buffy asks if she has the same virus the kids have, and she kind of hesitates, but then the Scoobies come to visit. Yay! Yeah, they all bring her gifts, except Cordelia, who doesn't understand human traditions. Herds of flowers from a lady. I think these are balloons. <laughs> Stick them in the water and they'll grow. <laughs> then you know, Willow's like, I got you. It's like, I got you a better present. I'm like, oh, great. Homework. It's like, yeah, I did it all. You just have to sign your name. Which Giles overhears this and doesn't seem to care at all. He's like, yeah, that's chill. Giles does, he does not care about Buffy's schoolwork. He often urges her. Uh, you must, As a slayer, you must forget your studies. <laughs> He often urges her to put slaying before her studies. And so Cordy was out of the loop on gifts, wasn't told that she's supposed to bring one, and Giles' great line, well, it is traditional among uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> and Giles brought grapes? Yeah, I'm not sure. He's, like, I... Grapes? That's not a gift you bring people. Anyway. At least you brought something. Yeah. Well, Cordy could have just pulled something out of her pocket and said it was a gift. It sounds like that's what Giles did, walking around with grapes. Yeah, he just pulled grapes out of his pocket. Here you go, Buffy. They're going to the hospital. He's like, I don't. I forgot to get her a gift. Grapes. I've got grapes in my pocket. I like to think that he th- thought this was going to be a good gift. <laughs> like He's like, I should get Buffy something. What does teenage like? girls like? Grapes. grapes. And then he goes to the <laughs> store and they're out of grapes. So he goes to another store just to grab grapes and he's so excited and he's so disappointed when Buffy doesn't even say anything. So they take a walk uh, with Buffy in a wheelchair to get rid of the actual orderly. And uh, Buffy tells her friends about the conversation she overheard between the doctors and uh, tells her about the creepy kids coming up. Like a Willow pushing Buffy's wheelchair. She's like, you know, I could get used to this. And Willow's like, you want me to go real fast? <laughs> not, not that I would. But yeah, they're talking about all this. So Buffy suddenly knows the doctor is named Dr. Backer. And the kid that she was talking to is named Ryan. And I don't know where she learned this information. I, I feel like they've said, they may have said Dr. Backer in the conversation she overheard. But there's no chance in hell she knows that kid's name is Ryan. Yeah. And she said that it's you know, death. The kids think it's death. And Xander's great line, if death asks you to play chess, don't even do it. Guys like a whiz. <laughs> Which is a reference to the movie Seven Seal. 
Which, yeah, the old, old, old Inga, Ingmar Bergman Swedish film, which actually gets referenced quite a lot, I've noticed, since seeing it. The Muppets made fun of it. But, uh, Cordy asks the pretty pointed question. Uh, she asks if it's not just a demon Buffy's conjuring up to deal with the death of her cousin. <laughs> which, wow. <laughs> so blunt, always. Yeah, Giles commends Cordelia for her tact, and Cordelia just says, tact is just not saying true things. (laughs) And uh, so Buffy insists, no, this is a real monster. And uh, since she's forced to stay at the hospital, she plans to find out what Dr. Backer's up to. And uh, Xander, of course, volunteers everybody's help. (laughs) So that that night, Cordelia and Xander sneak into the hospital uh, record room. And they're searching for records of the girl who died that uh, previous night while the security guard just pops up and stops Cordy. <laughs> uh, Giles in the library agrees with Cordelia. thinks that Buffy might just be personifying death to fight it, especially now, even more so after Jenny, which I hate, it's been referenced a couple times in this episode already. Makes doesn't make me sad. It makes me sad to see people's reactions, like Willow's face when Giles mentions it. Like, it's obviously this is, it's been a bit since last week. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it has to be, considering we saw her grave. That means yeah. there was a funeral. And they, they have to be somewhat over it. They have to be, you know, Giles is starting to heal quite a yeah. bit. And he's not well, just hiding the feelings away. He's he's healing. He can talk about it. Yeah, so, um, you know, Willow does point out that they do live on a Hellmouth. Uh, but Giles says, you know, that there's no real demon that he can think of that children can see that adults can't but then he realizes you know adults true faces uh children often see that well well we can't and they realize maybe it's dr backer which he says stanley backer that's his name right and everybody's just learning more stuff than they should know yeah, how do they know this doctor's everything oh like, yeah his address is <laughs> Like, I know which bedroom's his. <laughs> like the esteemed Dr. Backer, like everybody just... And his famous patient, Ryan. <laughs> Meanwhile, Cordelia's flirting up a storm with the security job guy. Yeah, to uh, distract him while Xander escapes with the records. And it's... <laughs> it's weird. He's like, this is where all the action happens. Yeah. And... <laughs> He's super, like, you know, people think security guards are just people who failed police tests i didn't did fail a fireman test though and like he's just super like trying to act cool and tough and she's like why well, i like security guards and he hears a noise when sandra tries to sneak out he's like what was that and she's like you have the most perfect nose you must work out and it just doesn't make any sense. he's right distracting and he's like yeah and she's like, mm-hmm. the line that bothers me the most is he's taught he gets on the topic of dr backer he's like oh he's a great man he understands the truth about children and she's like oh was that sometimes they die that's a terrifying sentence yeah why did you say that (laughs) that's so creepy (laughs) and so when xander gets outside uh him and cordelia have a mini fight (laughs) over her flirting and Cordelia does point out that Alexander oh, uh, watches Buffy's back. Yeah, she says, 
you know, oh, right, your obsession with protecting Buffy. Have I told you how attractive that's not? <laughs> and she's like, you know, I just like to watch. Someone has to watch her back. He's like, I've seen you watch her back. What's that supposed to mean? And he's like, I mean that you look at her butt when she walks away. It was a butt-looking euphemism. It was kind of like a pun. <laughs> and he's like, oh, hey. And, uh, <laughs> and she's like, he's like, who's jealous now? But that scene very much so reminds me of my girlfriend. That's just what she's like. Very blunt. Uh, I love it. Second it's, time you've compared Cordelia to your girlfriend. I'm just realizing it this season. <laughs> good Cordelia. When she's good and likable. She's like, hey, Mr. Universe. Glad to see you've seen the softer side of Sears. <laughs> so that line, it's just another comparison in my mind. I was like, wow, that's very similar. Uh, but then she's like, you're jealous? She's like, fine. Watch my back, and she walks away, and he he does, of course. <laughs> yeah, he tries to peek up her back, <laughs> <laughs> and then Buffy uh, takes a walk, finds the little boy Ryan, who's uh, drawing a picture of the the creepy Freddy Krueger man she saw in her dream, yeah. and he says he'll come again tonight because kids are fucking creepy. Yeah, and so Buffy's like, I'm, great speech. She's like, I'm not going to let it hurt you. I know that grown-ups don't believe you. Grown-ups won't help you, but I will. Grown-ups don't think monsters are real, but they we both know they are. And they're also real heroes that fight monsters. That's who I am. And that's like just the best way to sum it up to a kid and make them feel better, even if it wasn't true. In this instance, it is true. But like that's such a sweet thing to say to a kid, even if it wasn't. Yeah, and he just says, you can't fight death. <laughs> right around um, but cute little speech meanwhile in the library they find that Dr. Spackler has a crazy rap sheet Spackler yeah that they yeah they dig up some information on Dr. Backer and find out he has quite the history of controversial experimental treatments and uh, there's lots of investigations into his practice and then we get a shot of Dr. Backer just being Creepy and doctory. Uh, as Cordelia returns to the hospital with magazines and some food for Xander, which also almost feels like a little makeup thing. Yeah, it was kind of sweet. She brings him, yeah, coffee looked, donuts like a pimp girlfriend. And it's just almost like she didn't say anything. She just and put it, it down and started reading her magazine. Like she just. It's almost like a yeah, like sorry about that fight. I didn't get that as much as like a just a moment of relationshipness like he just she just brought it for him he just took it like there was no words exchanged they just she knew that he wanted it you know it's just a relationship thing yeah it's such a like small and also entirely useless scene but i feel it helps cordelia and xander's relationship but the doctor starts to roam the halls uh but buffy spops him going to diddle some kids that's not what he's that's not even what they suspect of him he goes to the children's ward mm-hmm. uh, with his latest little experimental drug, and he starts injecting into a kid's IV. But first, he like sprays out half the goddamn right. thing. I like people do that a lot in TV and stuff. They never do that in real life. That's just called wasting. That's not how you get the air bubbles out. That's just, you know, I want to want you to see that this is not this is a real needle we got, a real prop needle. It's not just plastic. Like, he like squirts out a few drops. And he's like, okay. And he squirts out a few more. It's like, okay. And he lets out like a stream. I'm like, what are you doing? He liked how it looked. 
It's like you, you figured out this thing's working. <laughs> anyway, so he goes to put in a kid's IV, and then uh, the evil creature invisibly starts tearing him to shreds. Yeah, blood spatters everywhere. Really good practical effects, because as we've mentioned before, making something invisible attack somebody is never easy to make it look good. Yeah. Did we mention that? Have we done an episode about someone invisible Invisible. before? Oh my god. Who's Marcy Ross? (laughs) But But the evil creature, yeah, tears them to shreds and throws them out of the room right in Buffy's path. Buffy gets knocked out and he gets dragged away by his wrists, which would also be hard to do if, you know, there's obviously nothing really there dragging him. It looks silly just because there's nothing there dragging them. Like, there's no way to make that effect look better. The suspension of disbelief, you just have to pretend there's something invisible there. Exactly. Like, it's all, like, because it, it looks like something's dragging him away. But the funny thing is just that the actor just, like, puts his hands up in the air and then all of a sudden starts sliding across the floor. <laughs> like a race car. <laughs> but that's a human death count three. I wonder what he was what he was gonna do with him. Like, why drag him away? <laughs> Hide the body, man. The gang later visits Buffy in the hospital room. Giles mentions that Tina was the kid that died the previous night, and the, if you remember that name, the little kid said that he's with Tina right now, and that she had started to improve before Backer got his filthy mitts on her. Yeah, she then she certainly got worse and died. But uh, you... Willow starts to drop the bomb that uh, Backer's to blame, but Buffy immediately says, no, he's not. <laughs> it's not Strucker. He was clean. And they're like, what do you mean clean? What do you mean was? And you're like, he got popped last night. <laughs> and the thing killed him and not with kindness. She's like, it's real, which means I can fight it. <laughs> and kind of rubbing in their faces like, you are all no, wrong. She said- it's real, which means I get to fight it. Yeah, just kind of rubbing their faces that they were all wrong. And then she gives them Ryan's little drawing. Uh, Buffy's mom shows up. I love and... when she hands Giles the drawing, he's like, is this uh, your handiwork? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, no. <laughs> yeah, then Joyce walks in, and, oh, am I interrupting a secret meeting? And No, you're not. You're definitely not. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she says that Buffy's actually free to go, but Buffy immediately, no, I'm sick, Uh, I need to stay. (laughs) Everyone kind of fake lie backs her up. Nobody's good at lying. They're like, yeah, she looks terrible right now. She should let her stay. And they, which is pretty noble of Buffy considering her hatred of hospitals. She's like, I'm feeling pretty oogie. Increased ooginess is a symptom. (laughs) And And, uh, so they talk, (laughs) they kind of assign everyone duties. And Willow's to stay with Buffy. Because <laughs> she's good with medical yeah. stuff. Her and Xander used to play doctor all the time. Which is... <laughs> and Cordelia kind of shoots them a look, and he's like, no, she had medical textbooks, and she would diagnose me with things. I didn't have the heart to tell her she was playing it wrong. <laughs> he's like, how do you play doctor? Buffy, <clears throat> I, I never have. And Cordy's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I believe you had something to say about her eyebrows, clairvoyant. Yeah, they're 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 just they're on, they're on fleek today. They're on point as as the. I feel like I I went on Tumblr before I recorded this episode, <laughs> but but they're she's got really nice eyebrows this episode. 
So good job, charisma and or makeup and or wardrobe or Joss or whoever. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, Xander's meanwhile on sentry duty. You know, if I see a pipe and a floating hat, that thing is dropped. Cordelia's going to stay with Xander, but he actually does the noble thing, says that we can't have any distractions, go with Giles, and do research. And Giles' is super rude reaction, well, why do I have to... Uh, right, right, an assistant, yes. And she's like, thanks, yeah. Mr. Tact. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so Buffy and Willow sneak into Dr. Backer's office. Strucker. And... <laughs> no. And they find out that he's actually trying to inoculate the kids. He was helping them. Uh, you know, he's giving them a little a weaker strain of the virus so they would heal as as cures do. And that's why they're getting a little worse before dying. Yeah. Um they were basically burning the fever out. Meanwhile, Cordelia is grossed out by all Giles' research. <laughs> yeah. What does this uh... one do? What does this one do? What does this one do? <laughs> It annoys the people that they're trying to work with. Asks they're endless out. questions so nothing gets done. Wow. Yeah, they have a demon for everything. <laughs> and so she annoys Gillis. G- G- she annoys Giles. She finds a, a picture of Ryan's monster on the cover of a book. Yeah, the same book that they look in to find the mo- demon from Puppet Show. Yeah, that's true. I noticed that was the same demon. And there's also a painting of it in the background of one episode. I believe it was also Puppet Show. But, and uh, they learn it's called Der Kindstone, which is German for the child's death. Yeah. And, and it's uh, a demon that absorbs the life force of sickly children, making it look like they died of their illness. And so they're telling this to Buffy. I love this scene because they just, the quick scene transition to, it's called Der Kindstone. Who is this? It's me. We found your demon. Is Giles there? Can you put Giles on? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. everyone's mean to Cordy in this episode and she's been really valuable lately and really good to the team and a part of the team and it's just not fair to her I think I think she she had what's coming to her like lately she's been just fine but because of because of how she's been she's earned this <laughs> but uh yeah, Cordy's explaining this to her and then Giles shows her a picture of it feeding so she gets grossed out and leaves and uh, Giles explains how it feeds, and Buffy has a Vietnam flashback. That's exactly what I wrote. Why? Buffy We're bad a, people. Buffy has a <laughs> Vietnam flashback to her cousin Celia watching this happen. She kind of she goes full when she was bad, just distant and blank face and just blah. Yeah, well, because she realizes, which is pretty. Horrific that Little bit. this monster is what uh, killed her cousin as she just like stood there and watched. And I noticed her cousin looks like a little Cordelia, kind of. Young Cordy. But Celia's screaming, screaming, screaming. Buffy doesn't know how to help, even though she's power girl. And I noticed this little girl screaming so much. Really bad cavities, yo. <laughs> cavities killed her. <laughs> Why did you notice this? So she died from cavities. Buffy realized in present day that she was crazed with fever when she saw this this beast, Durkin's stud. Yeah, so they decided to go to uh, Crocker's office. <laughs> Pucker. Which, Pucker's office. She needs to fever the... herself again. It's the only way. Yeah, yeah so... Uh... 
so only sick people can see the demon, so she tries to just drink a vial of 100% pure virus. <laughs> and uh, Willow says, hey, that's going to instantly kill you. Yeah, she waters it down a lot. Uh, and Buffy's like... By, like, putting, like, two drops of the pathogen in, like, a, I don't know, a beaker of some sort of water. Buffy says that it needs to work fast. Puts one drop in. Faster. Two drops. <laughs> and uh, so Buffy drinks it. Here's to my health. <laughs> yeah, saying here's to my health. And that works pretty fast. So imagine if she drank more. Yeah, so Willow's works leading immediately. Sickly Buffy down the hall, who has immediately changed her mind on this plan. <laughs> but all the children are gone. They're dead. But, well. Human death yeah. count, six or so. Yeah. Uh, uh, so she finds out that they've gone to the basement to hide from Dirk Kindestud. In the hall, yeah. In the hall, Ryan, the real hero that fights monsters, is leading the kids away. He's not fighting, he's running like a pussy. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> uh, Buffy's worried that they're too late, that they missed their chance. But then she sees it, it forms creeping around yeah. all weird checking the beds <laughs> like i i understand that he's blind but <laughs> does he not notice they're not there <laughs> so uh she sees him and watches as he heads down to the basement yeah so uh buffy and willow rush to find the uh, the basement access as well and the nurse nurse whatever dr wilkinson, wilkinson goes to return buffy to bed but she just shoves her and so she calls, come to the children's ward, we have a situation. Yeah, she, like, magically summons guards from the ether. The guards stop Buffy and Willow, and Willow, thinking quickly, pretends that she's the situation. And she dons sunglasses and, you know, gels up her hair. <laughs> she Willow is the situation. But, no, she she immediately pretends that she's the crazy one. You know, frogs, frogs, get him off me, get him off me, frogs! Pretends to have a psychotic break, which is referencing her frog fear. From previous episodes. Yeah, I have frog fear. <laughs> and uh, Buffy escapes. And, uh, yeah, so Buffy finds Xander, and uh, they go down to the basement together. The children are hiding. But, uh, uh-oh, Dirk Kindestode grabs Ryan. He was a pussy. <laughs> the other kids are screaming up a storm and... You know, what kind of hospital basement is this? There's dripping water everywhere. There's, like, this is not regulation basement for anywhere, let alone a hospital. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, yeah. It looks like underneath the swimming pool, all pipes and stuff. And it look, it's so Freddy Krueger, though. Yeah, this hospital is very different from the hospital in Nightmares, too, because we noted that the halls were extremely skinny in that episode, and they're not here. It's a different hospital, or a different ward. Now, he's coming to absorb Ryan. His eyes open wide and start to to a chest burst out. Which is actually not bad special effects. Really disgusting and just terrifying, just creepy. The effects in this episode as a whole, practical and uh, CGI, are really not bad at all. I agree. Yeah, it, it is creepy. And while we, I mean, we're jaded adults and we say, hey, if we tried to be scary, it failed. But I have heard that as a kid, this episode absolutely terrified the shit 
out of lots of kids. Yeah, why? Well, you can imagine. And I can absolutely see why. I mean, we're adults. That thing's not going to touch us. Yeah, I mean, it's it's scary in the it sense, in that it traumatizes children, but if you watch it now, you're like, that, that, that's dumb. And Buffy's stupid one-liner, you make me sick. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. And then beats the hell out of him, saving Ryan's forehead. Xander helps the screaming kids away as Buffy kind of fights him. He's really tall, I noticed. She actually, she has to like kick off a pipe to kick him in the face. And Xander just comes back and just sees her fighting an invisible. Just like, huh. Like, like he would have helped if he knew how. Yeah. And... <laughs> I can imagine him just going up like behind her, or in front of her and like kind of punching the air. She's like, Xander, you're not helping. You're not hitting him. <laughs> <laughs> so Durkin just lights Buffy up and just dusts off his cat, goes to suck out her brains with the same effect, the same shot. Yeah, that bugged, that bugged me. I mean, why not? You only got so much special effects budget. <laughs> I mean, it, you, you were doing good, but you just you just reused the shot within minutes of each other. And uh, who thought it'd be so easy? Suddenly, boom! Buffy reaches up and just snaps his neck. <laughs> yeah. So lay How that much... childhood fear to rest. You basically killed death. That's a demon death count one. That's pretty weird. That. A lot of, like, demons in Buffy, you can just snap their necks. Like, they observe human-like biology. Like, snapping their neck was going to kill them. Which feels like, in a lot of cases, it shouldn't for demons. And you just think, you know, he probably, he had nice clothes. He probably had a family. He probably had little kids running around. He's just trying to provide for them. Yeah, he's Scary Terry. He's got to go home with Scary Brian. and He's got a wife. He's got kids. And Buffy just killed this poor demon that had a family to provide for. Buffy, as soon as she snaps his neck, I think I'm starting to feel better. Trips. <laughs> Falls over. His Andrew's like, you know, he's dead right. I heard something snapped. That would be his neck as he's leading her out of the hospital basement. Yeah. Now, do you wish you had, like, eye stalks like that? Like, no. like a slug? No, I don't. Why? What would the purpose be? You could kill kids. So one thing that's interesting about Der Kinderstud, uh, you know, it's German, as I mentioned, and means the child's death. Uh, in German, Kinderstud, or yeah, in this in this instance, uh, it's used as Flotzlicher Kinderstud, which is uh, actually their their word for a sudden infant death syndrome for SIDS. So that's messed up. <laughs> I like it. After this, Joyce brings Buffy, you know, her favorite, peanut butter and jelly with the crust cut off and two parts orange, one part grapefruit juice. And man, that sounds awesome. Yeah. And Buffy complains that she wants crunchy peanut butter and extra jelly. And we pan over and Willow and Xander are in bed too. Now, have you ever had a had a sick day like this? With friends? Like, just chilling with you while you're sick? I had I, once. I wish. Um, I was both, like, having a day and I was sick, and a, a group of friends just came over and watched Casablanca with me, which is one of my favorite movies, by the way, listeners, and they knew that, so it was no. good. But I didn't have someone catering to my every, every will as Joyce is in this scene. Yeah. So Willow says, hey, while you're up, can I get a refill? I'm just so comfy. Because, of course... Asking for something, she has to be nice about it. And Xander's like, and another bag of cheesy chips, and just throws and the whole throws, bag. Throws and the she, bag. 
Oh, you ate the last one. No, there's one hidden behind the raisins. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, I'm on it. And he just gives her the thumbs up without even looking at her. And then your mom's trying to bogart the cheesy chips. What's that all about? Like, it almost didn't feel scripted. He just leans over <laughs> to Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> As Joyce leaves, she's like, wait, you got mail. It's a letter. And inexplicably, Ryan knows her address. I thought it was going to be from Angel, to be honest. I thought it was going to at least continue the plot. And it would be like a drawing from Angel, but it wasn't. And, uh, oh, he drew a picture. How nice. And it's Buffy standing on top of a snapped neck Durkindestad. By snapped, it's like broken. Yeah, it's like, it's like she just hit it with an axe. <laughs> so, and that's how the episode ends. Just looking at that little cute picture. Aw. So, Clairvoyant, what did you think about this episode, Killed by Death? What is your stake ratings on this one? Any final thoughts? Um, it's iffy. I mean, it it has some. There are plot holes in this episode. It's it feels as a whole. It's a bit sloppy in both writing and in directing. Uh, in particular, you know, the reusing shots. Uh, everyone suddenly knowing the names and backstories of characters they've never met or heard mentioned. Uh, there's definite sloppiness to the whole thing, but it is a actually pretty iconic episode. A lot of people do remember this one. A lot of people, a lot of people who you mentioned Buffy, I've gotten this more than once. So like, oh, I saw that as a kid, and I just remember this terrifying Freddy Krueger monster, and like it's it sticks out in a lot of people's minds. Uh, it's not an excellent episode. It doesn't seem to really fit in with the rest of the season, but it is a good episode. It is a memorable one, and so I would give it. I'd give it three out of five stakes. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. While it was horrifying and legitimately creepy at parts, mostly it failed in the horror department. If that's what it was going for, uh, the writing and directing needed a lot of tightening up. I didn't love this episode. I remembered it being a lot better than it was when I went back and rewatched it. Angel's plot was almost shoehorned in just to show that he's still an issue, you know, but just, you know, we're not going to continue it this week. <laughs> it's, you know, it didn't, this episode didn't progress the main overarching plot at all. But, you know, Buffy, one thing that we learned from this episode, if there's one thing we can take away, it's that Buffy Then Buffy is an aunt. Yeah, know. Buffy's mom... Must have a brother or sister. Is that actually what you were going to say? Yes. I was joking because that's useless bullshit knowledge. It's all we learned. Buffy's <laughs> got an aunt or an uncle because she has a cousin. Final death count, we got Human Death 3, Demon Death 1. I did not like this episode as much as I remembered, but it is an iconic episode. It's not terrible. It's just we've been on such a string of high-ranking episodes that it definitely was a noticeable jump down. So I gave it 3 out of 5 as well. Whedonverse podcast rating, 3 out of 5 stakes. Join us next episode where we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 19. I only have eyes for you, special guest host One Sick Puppy from Dead as Hell Horror Podcast, and Episode 20, Go Fish.
All programs, productions, characters, music, and stories discussed in this non-profit podcast belong to Joss Whedon and or their respective networks. All music, clips, and discussion used is either original, royalty-free, or released under Creative Commons designation CC BY NCSA. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>